force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. You have that power too. episode 81 this is our star wars celebration special chris and i are going to break down all of the weekend uh, events that took place and no no, no. We're, we're going to break down from the weekend that's what, <laughs> that's what we need to do is break down we, we need to have a little bit of relief from the weekend oh my goodness so before we get started last night uh we recorded episode 80 which was about trailers and uh, Travis, Ethan, and I. Like the trailers people live in? Yes, the trailers people live in. <laughs> we should actually do that. Just call it trailers and then um, just do it all about. About trailers? About trailers. About like trailers people live in. Like double wides or extra longs or how they hold up to tornadoes, stuff like that. The big steel ones. Yeah, the old like air, what, Airstream or Airstream. whatever. Hey, you know, we could call Matthew McConaughey, have him come over and talk about all of his. Yeah, there you go. Because apparently at one point he had Airstreams all over the country and everything. That's not <coughs> all he had all over the country. Right. So, no, anyways, last night we were talking about the trailers because it seemed like this past weekend there were like an insane amount of trailers that came out. And one of them we were talking about was the Star Wars trailer. And There was so, a Star Wars trailer? There was a... Star Wars actually had four trailers come out over the weekend. Well, more of it's like there was a Star Wars trailer because it is, isn't it like the fastest watched? Yes. Anything on YouTube ever? Anything. It had it over like 88, 88 million, million in 24, in 24 hours. hours. Yeah. It was amazing that there was that many views for that. Um, so I had everybody give their rating and, you know, kind of their own breakdown of the, of the uh, trailer. Uh, what did you think of it? Um, well, I thought that I would have really loved to have seen it when it was actually first premiered, but I was too busy being in line. <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Um, it was more like the trailer that I thought the first trailer would be, using the the more of the classic characters. I mean, you only see two of them in right. Chewbacca and Han, but you hear Luke's voice. It's it's, it's implied, that, yeah. Yeah, it's implied that... Um, you know, he's talking about Leia, obviously, at some point, because he says my sister has it or what have right. you. Right. So it it uh, it did the same thing that the first thing it did. It's a lot of quick shots. It's a lot of things that they don't tell you what it is, and it leaves you to kind of guess what's going on, which mm-hmm. is what I like. Yes. Here's some quick images. Here's a chrome stormtrooper. What the hell is that? Why is he in chrome? Here's Why does things- he have that little that little cape? Yeah. What is it? Is that was that helmet the clone trooper? Look at the helmet. Is the helmet is that the new helmet or is that the old clone trooper helmet? What is it? That's the kind of thing I like. And that's what I enjoyed with it was there's all these different pieces. We spent the rest of the weekend coming up with theories as to uh-huh. what we thought the plot would be and who would be what. Um you did know, I, in terms did I of, tell you my theory? Yeah, you had the theory that she steals the Falcon. Yes. The main character, the the female main character who we still don't know the relationship to our classic characters, if she has one at all. Correct. Steals the Falcon with the droid, and then Han and Chewie are chasing after. There's a lot of other theories out there about, you know, like, and I think we we kind of started to intimate this, the idea of someone's trying to track down the entire Skywalker heritage. Right. Uh, you know, those are the MacGuffins of either, you know, went so far as to, to think, I think at some point, 
I'd said it, it maybe it's Luke and Leia are in hiding mm-hmm. because they're almost too powerful. They're too important. Right. Um, once we discovered what Ray's uh, occupation was, and then we started looking at the pieces in the trailer, we said, "Well, it sounds a lot like the Legacy Two comic it book sounds series. A lot like it, in which the character, the main character, is Han Solo's granddaughter, mm-hmm. but is trying has hidden her heritage. Right. So." Yeah, it, it, I liked it because it was it was a lot of it was a lot of good shots. It was a lot of interesting shots, and that's all it was. Yes, you know, you see you see the new stormtroopers turn. You get a very clear view of the new stormtroopers, in which you only got half a view or whatever in the first trailer of them in whatever gunship or or transport that they're in. Right. Um, you see them turn full in a very reminiscent of the end of uh, episode two, mm-hmm. uh, with the banner in the back and. And, and all of that. And you get to see the droid again. And you get to see um, the, the Falcon flying again. You get to see the TIE fighters again and all that. So, no, I, it was it was obviously a very exciting trailer. It was more fun to see later some of the filmed reaction within that celebration stage, yeah. that arena stage. Well, I know um, that because we were in the digital stage. Yeah, you and, were in the second stage. I was, was outside. Pretty, it was pretty much the same reaction that you were getting in the in the. Oh yeah, I'm sure the, re- the re- reaction would be exactly so. Like the first time, I I didn't get to see it until halfway through that first day because when I was in line, when we get to our experience, we'll tell you why I'm still in line. Yeah. As the end of this hour long presentation is going. Um, well, I remember I sent you a picture from the trailer, and you were like. Where's, Where's that, that from? from? Yeah. I thought you saw. I thought it was a display somewhere that right. you walked by. I was like, "Is that from a game? What the hell is that from?" Um, but I didn't see it until. Yeah, it was halfway through that day where I was in line for a different panel, and the guy in front of me has it up. He was like trying to load it onto his laptop. Sure. And I thought, well, let me give it another shot. I couldn't stream it before. I tried to connect to the live stream mm-hmm. for the J.J. Abrams, Kathleen Kennedy, and then everything else panel right. for Force Awakens. They were live streaming it. I attempted to um, connect to it with my phone while I was in line, and it just never connected. The rest of the day was so effing busy. Yes. I was swamped. It wasn't until the point where I'm standing in line, I realized I've got an hour until my next panel. Let me try it again. And it, and it downloaded fairly easily. And I was able to watch it, and then watch it again. Well, the great thing about again. the great thing about being at the panel was they immediately showed. Once they showed it, they were like, "You want to see it again?" And they immediately yeah. showed it again. Yeah, that was there was no way they weren't they weren't going to. And then it was immediately up on YouTube too. So I was yeah, like, they were ready. It's actually, um, I think some people said it was actually on YouTube before it premiered. Yeah, there. Travis said he saw it on up on StarWars.com before they got to it in the yeah, like a couple of minutes before right. or whatever. So. It, it was it was definitely there very quickly. So yeah, it took me half the day to watch it, and and it was. I mean, it just like the the last trailer. It it's an exciting piece. If you're a Star Wars fan, I I don't think it does anything where you're sitting there going, oh, this is going to be crap. Right. Um. I don't know if it does anything where it should assuage your fears that it, you're afraid it's going to be crap. My friend Jared said, yeah, remember we all reacted the same way to the episode one trailer mm-hmm. too. And if you go back and look at episode one trailer, and I think even more so the episode two trailer, the episode two trailer is oh, it gives you yeah, but it was so beautiful. Kind of gives you a breakdown in in yeah. Episode one had had some of those pieces. Episode two is they picked great shots for that trailer. I still remember. I still remember that iconic shot. Well, not iconic, but the beautiful shot of the of the the sand crawler when Anakin goes to find Mm -hmm. his mother. And there's just that one shot where it looks like you know he's he's basically interrogating people as he's 
chasing these these Tuscan Raiders. But right. that shot's in it, and it was so gorgeous. It's funny. I actually have the teaser trailer for episode two on film. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Um, so no, it was it like I said, it was it was a trailer that I think it gave everybody what they wanted. It has a nice voiceover to it. There you you can you can start to break down the voiceover from it. You know whatever what what Luke's saying. Sure. There's a lot of images. The lightsaber handoff. Darth mm-hmm. Vader's helmet that's been crushed and destroyed. Um, there's so many breakdowns now. Of this this, yeah, there's online. so many pieces for it. And then you get what you want right at the end. You get to see Han and Chewie. Yeah. Uh, Han looks like he's aged. And yeah. Chewie doesn't. And everybody has said that, but you know, Chewie looks younger. Chewie, I mean, he looks yeah, no, he looks is... so much better. <laughs> it's kind of like Yoda. You're like Yoda looks a lot older in Episode One than he does in Two and Three. I right. don't know what happens. Oh, that's right, because he was a really crappy puppet. Um, Nothing so... proves the brilliance of the puppeteers in Empire Strikes Back than the puppet in Episode One. Oh, I know, because that puppet in Empire Strikes Back is so far beyond what they ended up mm-hmm. using for the pre- the practical effects. Of episode one, but yeah, that's, that's why they that's immediately that's candidate. why they immediately got through got rid of him. Yeah. Um. So I the guys last night uh, rated it between well, you know gave it their rating between one through ten. Ethan gave it an eight. <laughs> Ethan doesn't care. I know, <laughs> but it was funny. Cause Ethan's he, like, well, if somebody from Walking Dead shows up, then it's an eleven. <laughs> Let's put it this way: he gave the trailer for um, the uh, um, Mad Max a nine over top of the. Uh, I haven't uh, even seen that trailer. So, but he, he, he. I haven't even seen the Terminator Genesis trailer that everybody says they oh, hate. It's so bad. I just know that they gave away the best part of the film. But anyway. they tell you the whole plot in it. Yeah. What did Travis <laughs> give it? I haven't had a chance to listen. I only downloaded it this morning. Travis gave it a fifteen out of ten. Wow. Uh, fifteen Wookies out of ten. This is see. <laughs> Travis drives me crazy sometimes. He's, <laughs> he's one of those, he gets so excited. Yeah. He's all the way up here, <laughs> and then it comes out, and he's all the way down here. Like I hate this. Oh. I I'd probably that. say I mean I mean for me because I'm someone that doesn't uh, how do I want to put this I enjoy trailers but I hate that I enjoy trailers yeah because so I, I don't want that. trailers but I want so in, in that case I'd give it like an like an eight or a nine because it didn't give me anything it didn't give anything new away we True. know Han and Chewie are in it did it make you we more know excited the, I don't think you can be. See, because I mean, I, for me, here's the thing. For me, as soon as they announced it was J.J. Abrams, I was excited. I yes. said, "This is the person I want to do this." I like the, the reboot of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I don't care what Star Trek transcends. I enjoyed the reboot of Star Trek. I've enjoyed all the projects he's worked on. I've enjoyed Alias. I've enjoyed Lost that he helped mm-hmm. create, so on and so forth. So when they announce him, that's the peak of my excitement level. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this. And you got to remember. I'm the guy that doesn't hate the prequels. Right. I take the prequels for what they are. But going back, but it, he he's stylizing it more like the original trilogy. Right. But that there's, there's you... a lot of different things. It It's, I was never, there's never a point where it would be more excited than I was before. But I've even been to excited see some of those classic time. elements on this, uh, you know, I know that you're, you're a big uh, opposer of, of fan, you know, doing things I for fanfare. I never agreed with the decision, but the decision's made. And so let's, I'm hoping that, it, to me, if you're going to make that decision, they need to be integral to it. Yes. The and decision, it looks as if they are. The decision that I found perplexing was when they first announced it and they said they'll be in the first film and they're probably not going to be much in mm-hmm. the second and third film. And I'm like, well, then what are they doing in the first film? You know, right. it's, it's sort of, if that's what they're going to do, if they're going to use these four characters, 
Han, Chewie, Luke, and Leia. Yes. To set up a plot that you're not even going to really delve into until number two, then you're sort of wasting them being in the film. To yes. me. But we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, there's only there's only so much speculation you wanna Well, as I said, I, I have there. a feeling that at least Han is going to be a MacGuffin for getting the hero's quest going. Well, we'll find out when the script get, this the uh, script gets leaked next week. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of the script that got leaked already. Supposedly, yeah. And it, you always hate. I mean, we go all the way back to when we were talking about um, the website that had uh, the uh, the the stormtrooper helmet, and we're like, mm-hmm. nah, they can't be it. They can't. It turns out they were right. So. Yeah. Um, no, in terms of an excitement level, I, I don't think it changes it at all. I mean, I've, I've been excited since it was announced. I'm still excited now. I think there are other elements within this rebirth, relaunch, re-whatever you want to call it. And we'll get into some of these differences because sure. there's a lot of things. That the, the most interesting thing I take from it is what Celebration 4 was eight years ago that we attended for a day. You attended for two days. Right. And what this was when we attended for four days. And we'll get into that later and we'll tell you what gets excited and what isn't and all that type of stuff. In terms of the film itself, yeah, there's really, there isn't any difference. I've, it's, you know, I'm, I'm jumping up and down inside. I'm trying not to show, there's, there's so many other things going on that I can't even let myself get super excited for that sort of thing. And, but you know, and I got, I, I know I got, and a lot of people got emotional watching it in you know, with the group, with with the yeah. Voice see, watching it later, I didn't have that same sort of emotion to it. I had it again. We'll talk about it much later. I had it last night in the Star Wars dot com official wrap up video. Yeah, that was the one that kind of got me and just kind of uh-huh. punched me in the gut and you know brought up a lot of different things. It's tough with this because as we get into it, there's a lot of stuff that was very frustrating and very disappointing in this con. Right, and it sounds like I hated it, but I didn't because. There was so much awesome stuff in it too. It was well, I know it probably by because I know you you were texting me while I was still in the digital digital uh, panel room, yeah, watching the the um, the simulcast the, or whatever right. the, the presentation, right? Watching the presentation. I still haven't seen it. I haven't I, I, since we've gotten back. I've done nothing but work and record and go to sleep. Yeah, or try to go to sleep. But it, it was great because you know when. Everybody cheered, you know, when Luke and Luke helped or Luke, Mark Hamill helped Peter Mayhew get out on the stage, and you know there was a major, major eruption for that. You know, when Carrie Fisher came out, you know, yeah, even, even that, when the original or when the new cast members came out, yeah, some of some of my feeling for it, especially through that week, was feeling that disappointment of missing out on the experience that all those people had because I wasn't able to get there in time. Right. And, and, and I don't have anybody to blame but myself for that. Even if I had, even if the, the management of the lines outside was better, those stages were still full by the time I was able to get there and park and walk to yeah. the convention center. And it was my fault for getting up later. I should And we barely made it into it. Yeah. Well, uh, they yeah. were still, I mean, the, the people that I was, that were standing behind me in the line for the panel later that day for Clone Wars, they got there at six thirty, and they were they were in the nosebleeds, but they mm-hmm. were in the arena. Yeah. So if you got there at six thirty in the morning, and were able to get in line, you still made it, and and that was much better than I thought. I thought that the arena was filled with the people that showed up the night before. Right. People were lining up at six p.m. the night the, before. The yeah the the um yeah they were in line for like six thirty, and apparently 
Jay, it was announced that JJ and Kathleen Kennedy bought everybody pizza. Well, they didn't buy everybody pizza. Well, they, they bought made... the people who were already there pizzas. Right. As they as they said, it was um, it, it wasn't the 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 people that were there overnight or at six p.m. or whatever didn't fill the entire arena. So correct. You know, they got good seats. They were able to enjoy it. But when we got there now, as much as as much as I don't like, you know, those things, this is sort of the thing that I looked at and went, why didn't I go there the night before? You know, why didn't I go there at midnight or whatever? You know, you're only going to get one shot at this. And yeah, so it's 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 taken away a lot of that. And then that's part of the emotion of it, too, of of walking away from it. It's just like I feel like I missed out on so much. And because it's not just, you know, if it's Comic-Con, it's like, okay, there's a lot of different brands. Sure, And and you're going to go back to next year. But in this, it's just sort of like Star Wars is, you know, there are very few things in my life that, that have affected me the way Star Wars does. I mean, my brands are pretty much Star Wars and G.I. Joe. Those are the right. things I grew up with. Those are the things I'm still attached to. Those are the things I've always wanted to be a part of. So, you know. So the big things in the opening of the celebration were uh, they they brought uh, BB-8 out on stage. And you saw that it was an actual, you know, physical robot that worked just as well as r 2 Which they, they've said for a long time. And, but no one did. believed it until they saw it. And right. Even though Mark Hamill would come out and said, I played with the damn thing on the set. So, yeah. They, they actually had four versions. They had the hero version, which is the one that was actually at Celebration. Mm-hmm. Then they had a stunt version. They had a puppet version. And they did have a CG version because oh, they, yeah. they have to. I mean, well, there's know. no reason not to have a CG right. version. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're doing the running and stuff like that, you're yeah. going to have to, you know, for that thing to keep up with the actors, it had to be a CG For one. the most part, yeah. Um, but, yeah, one of the great things was that the R2 builders, you know, the fans actually got to be a part of the movie by building the R2 unit. And all of the astromech heads for the hey, different we need, X-Wings. We, we need a whole bunch of different robots. Yeah, yeah. Boy, these prop builders are pretty expensive. And, Ooh, grab the grab the fan guys. I bet you they'll work cheap. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you willing to donate your stuff? Sure, why not? This is awesome. <laughs> hey, George. Hey, George. Kathy? Yeah, what's up? So we just slashed about $2 million out of the budget. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah I expect a big bonus this year. Uh-huh. You got yeah. it. See you later. Click. No, but it's smart. No, it's but cool. It, but it, you it, know, if they're going to be able to do it, then do it. I just wonder. I, it was one of the things that because they mentioned that in the uh, the the droid builders had their own room. Yes, and that's part of their part of the presentation was about as my microphone falls over here. Um, part of the presentation was about them joining the cast for episode seven or whatever. And uh, I was looking at it and going, I wonder how many prop makers were really like just pissed off. <laughs> Going, hey, this is supposed to be our job, and you just took it from us. You know, we we went to school or we did all this stuff. We've been in the business for all these years, and they're not going to let us make the stuff that we're supposed to make for Star Wars. They're going to bring in these guys that you know. Well, I wonder. I mean, most of them. A lot of them are union. Yeah. You know, so they had to become part of the union. I would say. Yeah, it's just well, it's just you're hired. Yeah, you're hired, and then you give out you know part of your paycheck to the union. But yeah, I mean, it was. It's still. It's. It's a. It's a great no. I'm nod being cynical of a I'm being cynical of a cool thing. Well, it's you know we have a friend who's in the Archers Builders program, and they talked about that program where they built the Ultimate R2. They mm-hmm. took the original specs, the original builds for the R2 in 1976 and 77 are terrible. Right. I mean they're horrible pieces because they were built so quickly. They were built on a budget and uh-huh. stuff like that. So these guys completely rebuilt, remeasured, redid everything. The perfect R2 and Lucasfilm was like, this is fantastic. 
you have to give us your plans back. It's yeah. too fantastic. <laughs> it's you too can't good. you can't do it. It's going to be a violation. Well, that thing. I mean, that thing. Honestly, it had a working you know saw. It had what well, had everything. But but the the biggest thing is he said is like they when they measure the pieces for the original dome, mm-hmm. they're not even. Right. Like you 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 go through the curve and the curve it, it isn't a perfect curve and stuff like that. That's what they were doing. They took the original designs with whoever designed you know, when they, they drew them out. We saw them at the, you saw them in the R2 builders room. They had the yeah. blown up plans or whatever. Well, for, I have the, the plans piece. here because I've started yeah. mine, but, but this is, I mean, this is, this is the, the copyright. But yeah, they, they, showed the, or they showed the original one and they have all the measurements on it. And then if you look at the real piece, not all those measurements are exact. Well, did you even look at, so, they had the dome mold there that yeah. they used and you could tell by looking at yeah, that. It's beat that it the was, crap. Yeah. And it's just, and that it started out that way. It's not like it was because it got used. It was just, you know, so anyway, but that's so celebration started out with you know the big you know the big big thing that came out of the the opening was the trailer, which seemed to just ignite the whole weekend. Now, granted, I think because you, you we'll get we'll get the problems out of the way first. We you immediately noticed that there seemed to be a you know a logistics problem with lines and so things this like is that. this is we'll, we'll try to explain experience. I'll try to shorten this as best I can. Okay, so you showed up around what seven thirty? Yes. Okay, I showed up at eight fifteen. So the difference in forty five minutes was that you were able to get to the building, correct, and get into and di- were directed into a line in which you could get into what you were supposed to get into. Yes. Forty five minutes later, I'm on the other side of the hotel that's attached to. The San Diego, or the San Diego, excuse me, <laughs> the Anaheim Convention Center yes. in, in the Hilton. What I noticed very quickly is that no one from Celebration and no one from the Anaheim Convention Center was outside of the building directing, directing the lines. The lines were being directed by the Hilton Hotel security staff. And their main idea, their, their main focus was, we don't want you in the street. We don't want you blocking our entrances. We want you gone. Right. We don't understand why the hell you're here. The line was in 16 different directions. It mm-hmm. was everywhere. It came from the building. It came straight back down towards Catella or yes. towards Harbor, whatever that street is. Um, that would be Harbor. So it goes straight back down towards Harbor and then wrapped around the food trucks, went diagonally across the patio section, goes down the other side where the food trucks are, then wraps around the Hilton parking garage wow. and goes back by their dock, which is where I joined it. That got all the way to the end of the dock, and then it wrapped around again. Jeez. At some point, someone from the Hilton decides, we're going to start a new line. So they started a line towards around the fountain, the, the, the far fountain, right. the rocks. Mm-hmm. And at some point within this, they start to move us. The guy that's trying to keep us off the street, they have the barriers not from... They're not barricading the planter it's basically it's 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 a long walkway there's these food trucks that are parked there then there's a planter then there's a sidewalk okay the sidewalk it's not the the, the barriers they didn't, they didn't put up the barriers where the planter is and then let you on the sidewalk they put it on the other side of the sidewalk <laughs> and they lined us up on the other side so we're actually lined up in the street gotcha we're close enough to the street the guys at the hilton keep yelling at us to move over it's no place to go finally i actually ask him is anyone from the convention staff or the organization, the celebration staff, come out here to coordinate with you guys? No. Has anyone from you guys gone to them? Has somebody run up to the building and say, we need help? Has anybody communicated no. with each other yet? I was like, why? No. Why hasn't anybody done that? I don't know. We just don't want you guys to get run over. They, they then start moving the lines again. And the line that they just formed melded with my line. 
I've been waiting for an hour. Right. The people in front of me and back of me had been waiting for 15 minutes, and we got on the floor at the same time. Um, at that point, when we finally started moving, we noticed that there was six or seven people in suits that sit, you know, Anaheim Convention Center on their blazer Once are out there the with walkie talk. I don't know. This is they finally got oh, okay. outside. This this I, I was sitting there looking at it and going, "This is Kamikaze." The second year it was in L.A. Yes, where with. the fans formed their own lines within the lobby of the building, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until like the fire inspector shows up and says, "You're done." that the staff of Kamikaze and LA Convention Center come out and try and make these lines work because it was just a glob of mess. And people are all over the place. Do you think it had to do with the fact that more people showed up than they originally thought would? I think it had to do with the fact that all they cared about were getting people into the arena and the digital stage, and then it was over. I can I can see that because I know that being because inside it, there, they, did, they had a lot of t- trouble trying to usher people around and – you know, they had this great idea of using these, uh, you know, the, these paper bracelets that you get for being in line that will tell you which stage you're going to. But even that, they were still having trouble with people that just came in. People that came in after us got their bracelets before we did and got to go before we did. Right. And there was, there was a lot of that all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that was the start of the experience. And as I texted you... I have never been more appreciative of the efforts that Comic-Con International has made to control and organize crowds at both San Diego Comic-Con and WonderCon. They've gotten very, very good well, at they, it. They've, they've become the experts at it. Because, because they, have, they have enough staff. There's yes. not enough staff there. The, 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 if I take anything away from this whole entire thing, they were nowhere near staffed right. for what, how many people showed up. Not even close. Now, every every instance that I'm talking about is a lack of people, volunteers, and more importantly, professional staff mm-hmm. hired by Celebration and or the Anaheim Convention Center in order to do the things that they need to do. Right. It's not there. When Comic-Con started selling out in 2006, 2007, 2008, and they started to realize we need enough people to figure out where these lines are going. Up in the hallways, there used to not there there never was a person there telling you where to line up right. because fans could figure it out. If I want to go to 300 A A A B and C, here's the door. It goes north along the wall. That's where we are. Mm-hmm. As it got bigger, it just became a big blob of people waiting around the door. Well, that's why so Comic-Con got really good with making That's what I'm talking about. With the next year I'm talking about Comic-Con. Yeah. When it wasn't that big, you know, in 2004, 2005, you could line up and Anywhere there was enough. Fa- there was there wasn't so many fans that it wasn't hard to figure out where everybody was supposed to be. Right. You could figure it out, figure it out on your own because there's only 40 of you. There's only 100 of you that are trying to be in line. Right. Now you have 5000 people that are trying to get in line for the smallest of panels. Comic-Con International figures out very quickly. We need enough staff. That there's three people at the door that's directing you. Mm-hmm. There's someone walking up and down the line, making sure you're up against the wall, that you're behind the tape that they put on the floor. That was new in 2007. Right. There's someone at the end of the line. There's a staff member at the end of the line, not a fan, but a staff member at the end of the line that knows what room they're going to. Mm-hmm. They've had signs for the rooms. They It's easy enough. We're just going to print a sign that says room 303, end of line. You're a volunteer. Take this sign, go to the end of the line, and stand there. Anytime anybody that walks up there, 
put them in front of you. Take a step back. Yep. None of that here. Well, that's what I was going to say is they got very good with their volunteers, too. At, that's what I mean. They, it's, yeah, they, they had volunteers here, but the volunteers here really didn't. They were not instructed by professional staff. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. You can have a billion volunteers. If you don't have enough people that understand what they're trying to do, those volunteers are just as lost as you. We're going to fast forward a little into Thursday, and I'll give you the perfect example. I went upstairs to go to the Clone Wars panel with Dave Filoni and Pablo Hidalgo. Yes. To talk about the missing missions, all the, what they were going to do, and all this other stuff. Right. Get upstairs. It's in this big, you know, it's in the 300 A, B, D, C, E, F, whatever. The digital like, arena, yeah. The line for that was in the building next to it. It was mm-hmm. the long queues. There's a hallway. We walk into that building, the first building. <clears throat> the first room where you're supposed to line up. They've let us in there only to be told you need to go to the next room. So they put us along the side of the wall. We walk out there and we walk to this next room that's completely empty that has a lot of partitions for these long lines. Right. The poor woman there is trying to get people into the first line that's cordoned off. She's asking you to go to the second line, walk all the way to the end, make a U-turn and walk up to the front. That way, the way that you walk in as a line, is the way you should be in line in this first cordoned-off section. Makes sense. Instead, as she's trying to direct some of us there, the people that are behind us just walk right into that line because she can't. She has her back to them. As she's she's facing the wall and the door that people are walking in and trying to usher them and direct them to the second line. Because <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Why can't I get in this line? Because they need to fill it. They want to fill it. From left to right, right. they want to fill it with people. Get everybody scrunched up as best you can so they can get as many people into that room as possible. In order to do that, you have to go to the end and turn around. When we realize that now there's 30 or 40 people that have just jumped the line, we go under the partition. She's yelling at us like, no, don't go under. you got to go around. The woman in front of me screams at her, well, where the f*** did all these people come from right in front? What are you doing? And I'm sitting there and she can't, she's all alone. Yeah. There's nobody else here. She needs someone to stand at the front of this first cordoned off area who basically is saying, no, you have to follow her. You have to go around Mm -hmm. her. You got to go this way. Guys, it makes sense. Let's do it. The very first, there's nothing. There wasn't enough people. Right. It wasn't until they got the first cordoned off area completely full before two other people show up to finally help this poor woman. Right. Get people in line. The earliest panel of the day. Walk up to room 303 or whatever, 203, to go to the John Jackson Miller seminar. I'm used to Comic-Con. You can just walk right in if there's seats. Right. I walk right towards the door. The young lady says, excuse me, what are you here for? And I said, oh, I want to go to the John Jackson Miller one. Okay, you can just stand in line here. But the, the room's kind of empty. Says, oh, we clear the room. What? Oh, okay. That's new. Yeah. So The only panel that they didn't clear the room for was the Rebels red carpet. and then the... Well, the Rebels red carpet was down on the floor. <laughs> yeah, but they, they did the Rebels... In the morning, it was really weird, though, because they did a, a Rebels panel in the morning mm-hmm. with the cast mm-hmm. for the trailer. Right. Then they had the Rebels pan. They had the Red, Rebels red carpet, which was downstairs, and then they had yeah, the Rebels had premiere upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so the very, yeah, so this is my very first experience going upstairs, and she says, okay, well, the line's just over there, and it's just a blob of people. And what they basically did is not where the door was, but at the end of it, they formed a line that filled up about three quarters of this this little hallway, this little alcove, and then we started snaking it. Right. Because she asked us, and it was so hell to figure out 
where the hell it was and where it was going. It was a mess. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is just the first day. Well, I know that the celebration it's shop. Even, was... It's not even Saturday. Oh, we'll get to the celebration let, shop. Let, let's get, because I want to get past all of the negative stuff. But the, the celebration shop was a total nightmare. Well, here's the thing. Your celebration stop experience is different than mine because I start, I get into the, I finally get into the building. It's 11 o'clock. The panel's over. Everyone's excited and also disappointed. It was this weird mix of emotions you could feel. Mm-hmm. Once we, we got in the building with about 15 to 20 minutes left. Everybody that in was that, in the in panel, panel was excited. Right? Everybody that did. Well, no, no. Even, even in line. So it's like 1045. We finally get in the building. They get us into Hall E. They get us to line up to head into the main floor once it opens at 11 o'clock. Right. People are watching the panel on their phone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those people are like really excited. It gets to the end of the trailer and you hear, you know, from different places throughout mm-hmm. this huge room now full of people waiting to get in. Yeah. Those people are super excited, like, oh, my God. And the rest of us are like, not only did I not get in the panel, I didn't even get to see it. <laughs> so now I'm, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm pissed off. I've missed everything, and I can't even get on the floor on time because you guys put me in a room with a whole bunch of people that have waited 10 minutes, and I've been waiting for an hour and a half. Right. We finally get in. They put they. You have to go through the front of. For those of you who've never been to Anaheim Convention Center, huge, huge rooms, very long, very big, and then a huge brick structure right in the middle of it that cuts it off. Mm-hmm. The back of it wasn't open because yes. the next room over was the was the autograph, autograph section, section that went all the way to the wall. Mm-hmm. This was the biggest mistake I think they ever made. If they would have moved the autograph, if they would have moved the back of the autograph section up ten feet. Use the partition in the back. Okay. They could have allowed two lines in Hall E to go in simultaneously in two completely separate sections. Yes. And it would have completely changed. You would have gotten more people onto the floor faster, but you would have done it in a way in which they could have already started to spread out. This is the brilliance of SDCC. When they bring you upstairs to the sales pavilion to line you up and they make you go down those stairs and you get down to that bottom, Mm -hmm. there's three doors and they all go in different directions. Yes. So people go to the right who want to go to the Marvel and all the big stuff. People go straight if they want to go to the small press. If you want to go straight to the vendors, you can go to the left. So when you get to the bottom, people's dispersed in all these different directions so it doesn't clog up right there. Here, all of us are trying to get through this small 10-foot opening. <laughs> it's a little bit bigger than 10 A little feet. bit bigger, but it doesn't feel like it doesn't when feel there's like a couple it. thousand people. You get in the next room. And the next room is where all these big sets are that they had built. Uh-huh. The Moss Eisley Cantina, the, sa- the the front of the Sandcrawler, the the bunker with the, the, the speeder bike. Roxy the Rancor is there. Yep. Ro- it's Roxy, right? Roxy the, yeah, Roxy the Rancor. The Cantina. So, but there, a lot right. of that was already filming stuff. So you, they yeah, had Yeah, you couldn't move. stop. You couldn't right. go anywhere there because you, you, they were already they were filming stuff for, for StarWars.com and, and Force.net and all these other Star Wars affiliated websites. So as you keep pushing, I ended up at the Lego one, and they're building free Legos. And I'm like, well, this is cool. So I built a free Lego. And I immediately think, if I remember Celebration 4 right, what happened in Celebration 4 is that the store opened two and a half hours before the floor opened. Yes. Because it was in its own room. And I went in and very leisurely had a wonderful time shopping to my heart's content, bought a whole bunch of crap, walked back to my car, dropped it off, went back and got in line and waited for you and your wife to show up Mm -hmm. in order to get into the building. So I go all the way across this floor as fast as I can. 
I get to the store. It's this huge, big store. There's tons of merchandise in it. And I look at the line to get into it. It's insane. And it's around the outside. They haven't put anything on the inside. It's cordoned off within a hallway. You yes. know, it's a huge hall. And then they have... Uh, 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 what's, I'm not thinking of partitions. What, what, what am I thinking of? The, the, the barriers or the, whatever. Yeah, the poles, the, the, the stanchions. Rails. Yeah, the rails or stanchions, whatever you right. want to call it. It's, you know, about waist high that keeps it across. So the outside of that line is like wrapped around it. And mm-hmm. it's moving. I walk up to the guy in the front. He's like, oh, we're not letting anybody in. Because the line to pay on the other side of this store is already so full that they're thinking if we let more people in, they're going to grab their stuff. They're going to get in line to pay. They're going to fill where their sh- people are shopping. Yep. So they're not letting anybody in. The estimate time, this is 1120, mm-hmm. 1130. The floor has been open to general members for a half hour. The line, the estimated line to get into the store is an hour and a half. Yep. So screw that. And I went over to Artist House. I go, we go through the day. You and I have, your family and I have not hooked up all, we all in different yet. places. I've been to the John Jackson Miller panel. I went to the Clone Wars panel. Thank God. Same thing. I get out of the John Jackson Miller panel. I've got an hour before this huge stage upstairs. And I'm like, I should probably go upstairs and look at the line. Just to see. Just to see. I haven't been on the floor at all. I haven't looked at anything. I go upstairs, and that's where I have my experience in the Clone Wars thing, or the, the line that I was talking about before with the two rooms. So I'm like, I, have, I better get in line. So I jump in line there, and I realize I've just been an hour in line just to get into this building. I'm in here. I get a text from you towards the end of this panel. What do you want from the Celebration Store? I'm in it. I have no idea. See, and that was why I missed the, the uh, Clone Wars panel was because I was in line mm-hmm. to get in the store. It's a good thing you did because we never made the store again. Right. So you text me that. I, I have no idea. I don't think I'm going to make and it. And it was clear. The store was about cleared out the at store, that point. Yeah. By the time I, hell, the time I got there, 1145 or whatever, when I walked over to the Celebration Store, the guy said the Celebration t-shirts, the official t-shirt that has the official uh-huh. symbol on the front of the black, was sold out for the day. Yes. Beth got one, but she barely got it. It's 45 minutes. Uh-huh. And they were sold out, and they said, we're printing more as fast as we can. And I remember thinking in my head, you're printing more? Yeah. Why are there not more? Ma- Why because is, they over? Did you really, because did you really think that people wouldn't want the official T-shirt? So now we're at the end of the night. You've texted me. I run practically run downstairs, walk up there, and go. God, I just want to get in. And the line to get in isn't that bad, right? The line to pay <laughs> line is to something pay. completely different. So I walk in. I barely find anything. I found a couple of keychains, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Walked over. You had the pin or something. I was like, oh, I wanted the pin. I'm sold out. Said, no. There's bins of pins, and half of them are sold out. Yes. Went back and got the pin, picked up the damn hat, and put it down, thinking in my head, it can't be this bad tomorrow. There'll be shirts available. I have no, I don't have a single piece of apparel. Really? I don't, nothing. Yeah. Because everything else, they had the, that cool Bantha baseball tee, uh-huh. sold out of every size except medium and large that night yeah and they were sold out every other time i walked in well then you remember they changed they actually added and then, queue lines then, to yeah, get the in next the next day, day they changed they, they they basically compacted the store they used the they used a bunch of them that were turned let's say vertically right they turned those horizontally and put them together and then they put up stanchions within the side the cordoned off area for the store mm-hmm. to make the zigzag line the disney line as people love to right. call it because that's what that's the guys who do it best, but even trying to get out was still just as bad, if not yeah. worse. You, 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 Bethy was in line. You and Bethy were in line to pay for more than an hour and a half. Yes, 
you know, I was lucky enough to like come in and I could go to the, go over and shop a little bit and then come over and hand you the stuff and then go and shop for a little bit and then wait in line with you. We spent probably at end. least three hours in line just for the shop. That's just that's, going in and out. It, and that's the first day. That's the first day. And that's the first day. And they didn't have it. And it's just so compared, little merchandise compared to Celebration 4. There was nothing. There was nothing. There was T-shirts and things like that, but there were no action figures. There were no exclusive. There was, there was no action figures. There was no. I, I still remember. I have. I have the water bottle. I have the glass from uh-huh. Celebration Four. The etched glass. I still have. I have the Celebration Four. Was the uh, was wasn't the Macquarie and three? It was. It was. You had no. It, it was the Macquarie three three PO and R two or no? It was the the wizard. Luke. It was. It was the wizard and Luke. Yeah, because I didn't get the. I didn't get the wizard Kenobi. Because R two and three PO were Comic Con. Comic Con. Yeah, but it was also R two KT. And then, was, then, yeah. cl- then, um, Comic Con was also the Clone uh, Trooper. Yeah, I just remembered. I'm just trying to think of what was there. I mean, yeah, it was this huge store. It was gorgeous. There was nobody and there. You could go in and, and just I'm shop. Just, and and this is this is part of. And we'll get towards the towards the end of the differences between 2008 and 2000, 2007. 2007 and 2015. I'm thinking of eight years. Yes, is the big thing. So okay. So that's all the first. All the day. problems aside, that's the first day. What in the panels, you know, where the Clone Wars panel for you, the Clone Wars panel was the one that, that was the one I looked at and I said, I think I can get into this because <laughs> right. a lot of the stuff I looked like, oh, I'm really excited. Sunday, Gareth Edwards is going to talk about the anthology film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to give up my entire day to go there because that panel was in the middle of the afternoon. Yes. Um, now, a lot of the Clone the Rebels, Wars, the Rebels uh, season two premiere. I'm like, there's no way the I'm not going to give you I'm not going to give you the, the whole day for that for something I'm going to see in a couple months anyway. The mo- OK, let's put it this way. The Clone Wars panel started at five. People lined up at twelve thirty and it was completely full by one thirty. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that with the, the episode seven exhibit. Yes. Um, well, where, where do you want to start? I mean, well, you just like to do it in chronology. The, the, the two things on Thursday that I really wanted to do was to go see John Jackson Miller, mm-hmm. who's an author who's worked in Star Wars for a while. He wrote, um, he actually wrote the first canon book, yes, uh, New Dawn, <clears throat> from uh, from Del Rey about the the pre Rebels Kanan and Hera, it's, how they meet. it's how they meet, yes. Um, but he also wrote uh, Kenobi, mm-hmm. which is one of the last Legends books, which is one of my favorite Star Wars books ever. I love that book so. I really wanted to go and, and see him. So I got into his his panel was treated as a seminar to teach uh, kind of the ins and outs of if you're working in this shared universe, what's a really good thing to do? What's a really good thing not to do? Oh, that's good. And it, no, it was fascinating. I took a whole bunch of pictures and I got to see the thing. There's a lot so of like, what was rules his, that he had on it. What was his rules? No, there's a lot of different rules about, um, you know, it's basically what you're doing is, is you, you have to understand that even more so than your in a sandbox that somebody else created, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to come after you. Right. So unless your editor tells you, you need to make this huge change, you are allowed to make this huge change. You need to be respectful of the people that are coming after you. Um, he talked about definitions versus suggestions. If you make a definition in a book, if you say Wookiees can't swim, then it becomes, and then four books later, something takes place and Chewbacca has to cross a lake and you're going, but he can't swim. Right. If you say Wookiees have a hard time swimming, that changes it because it opens it up to say it doesn't mean that Wookiees can't swim. It just means it's hard. Now right. Chewbacca looks even better because Chewbacca can swim. Right. That sort of thing. You know, not defining things. He's talking about the differences in language in the terms of, of science fiction now. It's in the 50s, 
In the 40s and 50s and 60s, science fiction had to be so otherworldly because that's the way people wanted it. They wanted these weird terms and all these things. Mm-hmm. He talked about in the book, in A New Dawn, they changed uh, for years in the expanded universe. A bathroom was called a fresher. Right. He called it a bathroom in that book because he said, we're trying to open this to new fans and we don't want them to have to go on some well, sort of site. I like the fresher, though. It's, there's certain things that they kept. There's certain things they didn't. And it's, well, that's it what they did. Like, you know, they said that they were going to pick and choose. Uh, but even but in terms of definition, they, what they said is like the editors and the stuff, it's, it's a little bit of, of definitions and stuff like this. Right. The, the pick and choose thing, we'll talk about this for Friday, because I went to the Canon panel on Friday, and it was very, very informative, and it was things that I even got wrong. So but after but that, the original the original expanded universe, they were still very respectful of what was going before and what was coming after, yes. and they all tried to keep things chronologically. They tried because there was no oversight. Right. Get, when we get to the Canon panel, we'll explain all of this. Yes. So that was the first panel I did. Um on Thursday, and then I went straight upstairs and got in line for the Clone Wars Untold Stories. And at some point while you're doing this, we're in line for Roxy the Rancor, which was another long line. I mean, I don't think you could go anywhere in this building without standing in a long line. You you had to get in line to get in line. Yes. We used, to point- <laughs> joke, we used to joke about that at Comic-Con, but it's true. On Saturday, uh, jump forward to Saturday. Saturday is the busiest day. I'm there with my friend Melissa. We're in the the artist alley, the celebration artist alley, mm-hmm. and there's a woman asked me how I'm doing, and I look at her and said, "You know what? I'm not sure because I'm not in a line. <laughs> I don't know what to do." And she said, "Are you lost?" I said, "I think. So. Can we gather all the people that are here? Can we just make a line past all of the all the tables, all the artist tables? I need to be in a line right now. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. Why is there no line here? I don't know what to do. I have space." And she's just laughing like crazy because she's like, I've heard this experience before. I'm like, you don't understand. It's yeah. like I had structure. I've been in line all day to get into another line, to go to a line that brings you to a line. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there is some Star Wars stuff. I'm not sure where it is. And now all of a sudden, everything's open and and, and I'm able to move and I don't know what to do. Um, So, yes, you're in line for Roxy the Rancor. Yes. You did all the cool picture stuff. I yeah, we did some of I don't, that. I don't like my picture being taken. <laughs> I'm a ninja like that. Um, so, Clone Wars panel. Let's just go do it. So we go to the Clone Wars. I go up to the Clone Wars panel. It's Dave Filoni, who I have a very weird relationship with. Cowboy Dave. Cowboy Dave. And Pablo Hidalgo, who is one of the story editors, continuity editors. Mm-hmm. He's basically a guy who started these type of books where he was trying to gather information. And Lucasfilm's like, well, we might as well hire you to help right. this out. Um and he's works on all these different things for Lucasfilm. And they showed some of the stuff that they've shown before of the episodes, not the six episodes that we got on Netflix, but the stuff that was in pre-production when Clone Wars was canceled. Yes. Um, some of it they did show on StarWars.com at one point. Yeah, they've shown some of this stuff before. Um, what they basically have done is they've gone back and they've, they've took a lot of stuff out of Dave's notebook, stuff mm-hmm. that he was helping to design or what have you. They showed some of the animatics yes. of stuff that was being pre-viz because the way the Clone Wars worked, it was built very crudely in a computer here, and then it was sent to the animators to have it rendered. So it could get to, you know here the timing and the direction and the editing and even some of the voices were already done. Right, you and got, then they send it some overseas of the storyboards and things and they like they would that. Get, yeah, yeah, this is this is basically a computer storyboard. So it's not a lot of movement. You'll see a clone trooper; he's running towards the screen, but you notice his legs aren't moving. Right, it's just him floating towards the screen like this is where we want him this is where we want him in the shot 
Now he jumps up onto a branch or what have you. So they showed different pieces of And if where... I remember correctly, they showed some of it would switch from some almost finished footage to like almost storyboard type. Yeah, there was and a couple pieces. Back and they, showed, they showed a piece um, in it because what they were talking about was where they were going to go. Mm-hmm. And the next season or two or three, however many they had left, um, they said we were going to get through uh, the Battle of Coruscant, which mm-hmm. is the beginning of Episode 3. Yes. Order 66. It was obviously in Episode 3. And the very beginning of the New Order. Yes. As the galaxy starts to crumble in and of itself as the Empire takes control. Within this, they were going to take care of their characters that were not on the screen. Ahsoka, Asajj Ventress, Cad Bane, Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Um, those stories were going to continue in these very various directions. They show an early scene with Cad Bane and Boba Fett on Tatooine. Boba Fett's kind of now... Uh, Cad Bane's kind of taking him under his wing. As they said, the, the internal kind of story with them is that Cad and Jango were always in this sort of competition, but never they never got a chance to prove who was better. Right. So Cad Bane looks at Boba and says, this is Django's clone. I'm going to teach him to be the best bounty hunter he can, and then I can compete with him, and we'll find out who's better. So he has a personal selfish interest in trying to take care of him and make him the best bounty hunter he can be, the best fighter he can be, the best warrior he can be. So they show that scene. They showed a scene... Uh, Oh, the other one was the Bad Batch. There was one more. There was the Bad Batch. It was the clones. It was a, a group of clones that had uh, you know, something wrong with them. We see it in the Netflix episodes with 99. Yes. Where he's attempted to be destroyed because... No, the, the, the defective one. Oh, the yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 99, yes. Yeah, he was the defective one. They tried to assume... In the continuing story, the Republic comes in and says, well, if they're defective, you can manipulate them. Let's not kill them. Let's try and figure out what they're good at. So they were going to have like almost genetically modified super soldiers within the clones. This was going to be a batch of troopers that then gets sent out on their own. You would, you would li- see a little bit more of towards the end of the war what was going on. Right. Which, by the way, is what Karen Travis covered in Republic Commando. Um, as soon as he was saying it, I'm like, fuck, the, you already did that. It was done better. Well, it sounded like, you know, I mean, because it sounded like because of the uproar of the Mandos, you know, and what the Clone Wars did, they, they tried to make it more children, you know, the, more for children and make them cooler. They ended up trying to retcon themselves to go back to a they, little bit of they Karen did Travis. a lot of it. It was... The relationship has always been, whether it's been stated or not, that the books and the comics were basically ignored at any given point. We know it. We understand it. It's just time to move past it. This is what right. they were doing. They're telling their story. They're getting to the point where they say, we have to try and explain here that in this audience that's much, much bigger than any of the books or comics are doing, why the war happens the way it happens. How do they get to the point where nobody notices that both sides mm-hmm. seem to be fighting in the worst places possible? There's no strategy to this at all, yada, yada, yada. And some right. of this was going to be explained here. Um, so they have that. They show they they had an animatic of uh, Asajj chasing after somebody, and Quinlan Voss shows up because, uh, as, as he said, as a character that Lucas loved. Lucas read all the comics. Mm-hmm. He read most of the books. He loved Quinlan Voss. The reason that uh, uh, and for Ayla people Secure, that may not know, Quinlan Voss is Quinlan Voss was a 
he was a, a a Jedi that toes the line sort of thing through the Republic comic book series. He's a, he was not necessarily a dark Jedi, but he was someone that was kind of turned his back on that sort of thing, that that being a Jedi sort of thing. He's he's the, he he the, the native. Cool it looks like the native, like a Native American, Native American, somewhat. Yeah, I mean, he's got dreadlocks. He's got dreadlocks. He's, he's got, got some, the. He's got like war. He's paint. got yeah. He was a part of. He was basically like a pathfinder. Yeah. So he's got a pretty. Good One backstory. point he wears Tuscan Raider clothes. He's uh or garb. No, I think in one, in I one, think, I think you're thinking of a shard hat. Is it oh, okay? Yeah, a shard hat's a completely different character. Right. Okay. Yes, but this is basically the Republic comic book became the story of Quinlan Voss for about thirty or forty issues. And right. It's, and it's him, and he had a relationship with uh, the Dark Disciple story. is Quinlan Voss, right? Yes. So they showed that scene. They show a scene where in, on the Wookiee planet, the Wookies are working with the Bad Batch. They show a scene with Ahsoka when she buys a swoop bike. Oh, and it, that would breaks cool. down on her, um, and then the the coolest one is they at some point the bounty hunters are hired to break into Count Dooku's mansion on on his home planet of Sereno, and Count Dooku's there, and he gets into a battle with all of these bounty hunters who are, have him surrounded, and it's a, it's a small sequence that wasn't super fully rendered. But it looked so effing cool. I was like, it was so, it would have been so great. Yeah. And I'm almost looking at this going, I'm more interested in this than I was in anything that you did in the Clone Wars. They, well, because see, there was no, there's no Anakin, there's no Obi-Wan. They would have dumped all of that. Once Ahsoka leaves the Order, they were going to tell all of these stories. They tell you how Ahsoka survives Order 66. Spoilers right. for anybody who hasn't watched Rebels. Um, yeah. What happens to <laughs> Quinlan Voss? They, they, Quinlan has his fate done in the, in the comic book, but this way they were going to tell you where, what happened to him, what happens to Asajj, what happens to the clone troopers that weren't there, and the hint being you would have also known what happened to Captain Rex. Right. Um, spoilers for those who haven't seen the Rebels Two pan- the Rebels Two trailer. Uh, some of these backstories will now be filled in because of Rebels. They'll get to, they'll there, get there was to some really there was some really bit. cool art that they showed. There was this great piece that Dave Filoni did. It's Yoda in the middle. It's a, it's from the side. Yoda's in the middle. His clone commander Gree is behind him, and there's the huge Wookiee is next to him on the other side. And it's like sunset. It was gorgeous. Well, one of the things they were talking about was that the clone troopers under a certain ge- uh, general would then um, decorate their armor off the the, the mm-hmm. general. And you know they they had it for someone I can't remember who it was, but then they showed the Ahsoka helmet for Ahsoka's troopers. I'm sitting next to three women. Who two of which are dressed as characters? No, they're dressed from characters from Clone Wars. Okay, one was Satine, and one you was... mean from Rebels? Or no, uh, um... Satine was in Rebels. No, the 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 the, the Mandalorian uh... Satine. That's Sabine, the Mandalorian leader. Oh, okay, with yes, blonde hair. yes, yes. Okay, so she's in this gorgeous costume, and the other one was I can't remember who it was, but it was someone from that. But you could tell they were big Ahsoka fans because they show the helmet with, basically, if you if you put a, a a straight profile, or a straight on of Ahsoka with her her towels or whatever, it was you would take like a, a very striking image of that and put it right on a clone helmet. It looked awesome, and they're just like, oh, why did we get to see that? Ah. Um, now they have talked about, or at least they did at one point. They were talking about doing like Clone Wars, you know, like mini series. On Disney XD, I don't think they're going to do that because this is people were asking it. The first question, the first person asked the question is why did why did Disney 
The first person who asked the question is, I hate Disney because they canceled Clone Wars. Why did you let them cancel Clone Wars? I'm paraphrasing, but that was the sure. basic of it. I'm, 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 I have a pall over the entire acquisition by Disney because their first decision was to cancel Clone Wars, and that was the greatest thing that's ever happened. That Clone Wars is the greatest thing that ever happened, and, right. and canceling is the worst thing. Ever. The cartoon. Yeah. So what Dave Filoni said is they canceled it because it was all about moving forward. It was all about doing something new. Mm-hmm. He says, we're in Rebels. You've seen who's at the end of the first season. So these characters, and at this point, the second season trailer hadn't come out. And he said, there are some characters that we get to tell the end of the story in Rebels. We just have to do it backwards. Right. We're going to show you where they are, and then we're going to tell you how they got there. So some of it's going to be there. And then they announced the Dark Disciple book. It's the new book by Christy Golden. It'll be a canon book. It comes out this fall. Yes. It, it'll, it has, I think it has... Uh, it definitely has Asajj and um, Quinlan's story in it because they're on the cover. And I right. I think it might cover Cad Bane and Boba Fett too. I'm not 100% sure. But the, the story in the book is based off of these unproduced scripts. They took the storylines, the outlines for these scripts, gave them to Christy Golden, and she wrote a book for it. So you're going to see where... So it's not like they're banding the... No, you're going to see where... They, they want to show you where this is. As Pablo Hidalgo said, we're never going to say never anymore. And he says this in the canon panel, too. He says, like, three years ago, I would have told you, five years ago, I would have told you, we're never going to see episode uh, uh, seven, eight, and nine. We're just never going to see it. There's not enough money. Lucasfilm doesn't have enough money to do it. We don't right. have a background. And now look where we're at. I would have told you five years ago, we're never going to throw out the expanded you. Maybe we'll trip it. Maybe we'll, we'll cut it a little, but we're never going to throw it out. I'm wrong there, too. So <laughs> as he said, I'm never going to say never. Who knows? But right. right now, there's so much going on. This Rebels program is huge. It's going to be huge. They, they want to tell a lot of stories with this. They want years of this. They have at least five years. Mm-hmm. So Or four more. That was sort of the thing. Is, and, and they seem... This is, is, is this, Are we sad that it left? Yes. But we're still excited by what we're doing. And Dave Filoni actually said, part of the reason we did Rebels, I needed to keep all my people employed. Yeah. And that's it. Really, what it was. It's like I'm watching my 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 team, my producers, my directors, my art designers, all these guys, my actors, everyone. They're unemployed. Mm-hmm. Disney gave us the opportunity to do Rebels. They they, I'm gonna do Rebels because yeah. I get to keep all these people employed. We get to still tell stories in the Star Wars universe. I still have the best job in the universe and that sort of thing. So that that was it, and, and that was and that was basically that panel, and it was awesome, and it was. It was exciting to see these sort of things, and you have that sort of like, what if? What if it kept going? What are these stories? But also to find out that some of them are there. They've already done one of them in the comic book of Sons of Dothmere from Dark Horse. Yep. And now we have the question like, well, if it's off the unproduced script, if the unproduced script stuff now is canon, does that mean it's kind of retcon canon? Or is it <laughs> Legends? And that's where everything kind of starts to fall apart, because the canon thing was Friday. Oh, my God. Well, and then, because you also had... Uh... You also had the uh, Battlefield, the Battlefront trailer show up, and they already Friday, right? Yeah, and they said that everything on that's canon. And well, what's again, one of the we'll first things to, we see? We'll get to we'll get to the canon panel. Let's go to Friday. Friday's the Battlefront trailer. I don't even remember what we did Friday morning. What did we do Friday morning? Uh, Mikey, you were no. Uh, yeah, no. Mikey was there that day. I went to breakfast with Mikey. You went to breakfast with Mikey. We walked in. I think we made the Lego. I made sure that we went over and did the Lego. Every day was a new Lego, new, new, very well, simple. Well, you did, yeah, because you did a Lego with us too. Mm-hmm. 
Or you did it because you lost Mikey at some point. You said you turned around. Mikey was gone. You turned around and talked to somebody. Talked to somebody. Uh, I talked to Jared. That's what. And Mikey was gone. I stopped to see my friend Jared who works for General Giant. Um, uh, so I I stopped to talk to him for a little bit. Mikey was gone. Yeah, and then you met up with us when we were in the Lego panel or or Lego line or somewhere. Uh, yep. I ended up with you guys in the Lego line. Did the did the The X wing? Did the X wing twice? Yeah. So I got two of those. So there you go. Oh my god. Uh, that's the day I also found out I walked by the Del Rey booth because I found all the, all these people are walking around with paperback copies of a new dawn. Uh-huh. And I realized I got the advanced copy at San Diego that they were giving out. Right. But I gave it to my friend Rick cause he's a big time collector and he's like, I'm never going to see that book. So I let him have mine. So it's like, I'll just buy the book and I've never got around to buying it. So I walked by the Del Rey booth and they have a non-Star Wars book that I wanted called Red Rising that they were giving away for free. I'm like, that's cool. And I see these people picking up pins. I'm like, what are the pins? I'm like, oh, the pins are, it's you know, it's a pin of the cover of the book. And every day we give out a different one. And they had Tarkin that day, which part mm-hmm. of a book that I've read and liked. So I picked that up and I said, well. I wish I'd have got the Tarkin pin. How do you get, yeah, the Tarkin pin was the only one that was gone. Uh, and then they were like, uh, if you pre-ordered the Dark Disciple book, then you got that pin. So mm-hmm. pre-order that, show them that, here you go, great. So I got that. So Delray was great. They were giving out free stuff like crazy. Um, I feel like it was there was another panel before the Canon panel. No, that's what it was. I did the Canon panel, and then I did the yeah, episode, episode 7. Episode 7. Um, or maybe, did I do the episode 7 room first? Maybe I did the episode 7 room. I think you did episode 7 first, because we met up with you there. Yeah, you you were headed towards. You wanted to go see it. I thought it was on the third floor. Told you to go to the third right. floor. Found out it wasn't. You went downstairs. Episode I seven. Went, I, somehow I ended up downstairs before you did. Yeah, because I was on the three hundredth floor too. So I go downstairs, find the line, which just barely before us. Yeah, and and the line was manageable. It was still in that little alcove, mm-hmm. and it was great because like here's here's the line, and I'm thinking this is going to be fine. And what it was was there was a room that had props and costumes from episode the new seven. film. Before you know, oh, before before you can see it on the screen, it's still amazing to go in there and see him. Storm the 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 stormtroopers are shorter. The uh, well, the one thing that it, there's a lot of information in it as well. Yeah, I mean, if you read the stuff, well, even a breakdown of the costumes. Was the great. most. <laughs> While I was in line for the Clone Wars panel, someone had tweeted the picture from the new X-wing model, in mm-hmm. which it says that the resistance. Uses these news X-wing fighters against the First Order. Yes, the guy in front of me who's who's taking screenshots of the trailer one by one because the guys that were in front of me run a podcast and a, and a website, and so he's taking these pictures so that they can put it on there, and he's looking at the banner and I said, oh, that must be the First Order, and he looked at me like, what the hell are you talking about? So I bring up the picture that somebody else had tweeted and I show it to him. He's like, oh wow, hold on, you send that to me? Like, what? Where did that info come from? Was apparently there's a room with a whole bunch of props in it. So we walked in there. Yeah, they have the new, the 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 next gen stormtroopers. Yes, they have the BB-8 the, droid. Well, they they also the big spoiler was that there was inside the X-wing, in the astromech compartment was BB-8. It looked like it, but I think part of something that they've said is that that's what the astromech droids all look like now, just like like a bunch of droids look like R two. But there's a bunch of droids. Well, that one looked because like. I look. I went back and we'll looked over the pictures, and that was that. Sure, looks like BB-8. Yeah, I didn't get it too. Um, but I think the flame the, trooper was the new. flame trooper. The snow trooper was new. But I think the biggest thing in there is they have R- Rilo Ken, who's the bad guy. Yes, Rilo. I don't. Ken. I don't know the names yet. Yes, I know. We're all doing it like why can't the names be a little bit easier? 
they have his lightsaber, his triple his hilt. emitter hilt, upside down cross, satanic. Mm-hmm. And looking at it, we see that it's damaged. Yes. The top of the hilt, just by the emitter, has a big cut in it. There's a wire that reaches out of that cut and mm-hmm. goes all the way to the bottom. It sure looks like it's two sabers put into one. You mean three? I mean, it looks like it's three emitters. Well, no, there's, there's three emitters, but it looked the hilt. Oh, yes. And where the emitters are, that that cross, that, that trip, yes. looks like it's from two different pieces. It definitely looks like a saber that's cobbled together. Yes. That it's not something that's built cleanly. It's a very dirty, used mashed together saber. So the most amazing thing that we discovered out of this room was all of the weapons were 3D printed. Pretty much, yeah. So the design the design work for it is you can and that's what you're in. You you design something and then you're able to print mm-hmm. it. It's not like 40 years ago a- where they're like, "Hey, what do we have in how do we what do we have in London? We got a bunch of these type of machine guns. All right, <laughs> let's slap some shit on it." There we go. Let's move this thing here. Hey, we have the Stormtrooper gun. Yeah. The E-11 Blaster is a British SMG that's still changed around. And, I mean, they still use that as the basic design for uh, for the, the new Stormtrooper gun, too. It's just it's got a little more bells and whistles on it, and the colors are a little bit different. Yeah, it's even got a scope now, so maybe they'll, yeah. maybe they'll aim a little bit better. So, um, <clears throat> so, yeah, we get through that. Thank God we got through that because the line for that the next day was impossible. Saturday lines got to be so insane. Saturday was insane. But to continue Friday, so then the most the, the thing that I really wanted to do Friday was go to the panel that was basically discussing this new canon mm-hmm. uh, universe, this thing going forward. And when you did that, we were in line to write to do the X Wing simulator. Yeah. You Which made, three made, hours? You made the wrong choice. Um, Still, oh, to sit in the X-wing, and it was so funny, is because when I got in the X-wing, I thought about doing because the thing was that what they were doing was you would do you sit in the X-wing for like twenty seconds or whatever, and they film you as if you're going to be in the trailer for Battlefront, so you'd get you know they would cut you into it. I so much wanted to do our thing, you know, because how we've always talked about the cockpit being completely. My thing, yes. And, you know, I wanted to reach behind me to turn off the, uh, turn, turn, on, on, <laughs> Luke, turn off your targeting computer. Yeah. Hold on. I got to get outside the ship. <laughs> but the it, worst designed ship in all of the Star Wars universe. But the funny thing was watching Rich people, fire. <laughs> Red fire, fire lasers. Hold on. I got to get under the seat to get the, to get the trigger. But the funniest thing was, I was watching people, and they would reach in front of where the camera was, or or they'd be moving around. I'm like, have they ever? Have they never watched the trench run or anything? You know, they they, they couldn't move, afford to move them around. They move a little bit, but you know. Well, they also didn't want them to look like Star Trek. Right, but you also don't because Star Trek just always did that. Like, okay, we're gonna tilt the camera. Everybody run to the left side of the stage. Yeah. Oh! But you know, I guess as being an actor, and also you know not to block the camera, so you don't put your hands in front of the camera or anything like that. So. Mine is, you know, I kind of, I did this one little thing where I reach up to one of the uh, buttons in front of me, and then when I get ready to fire, I reach down to the, you know, to the panels beside me, kind of like uh, where the photon torpedoes would be. Mm-hmm. So I, I do it, and the then... The what torpedoes? I said photon. <laughs> Star Trek there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> JJ has left that franchise. Yes, I know. He no longer is Did you hear Mark, Mark Hamill say that he was worried when he first heard that JJ was coming over to this one? He said, "Because you know he's he's switching franchises, so I'm 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 not really sure about this." It'd be interesting if the opening crawl is instead like <laughs> somebody beams up. 
Or there's shields that you see. Them well, that's actually funny. Is John Jackson the two things that John Jackson Miller said in his panel? Because he also has written uh, a Star Trek Next Generation novel fairly recently. And at first he said, "Don't kill me, don't kill me." But also, it's okay. People named people who have the initials JJ are allowed to work in both universes. But he was talking about that sort of consistency, and that's part of the reason that they have kind of lessened the terms, these weird terms. Yeah, is because it was so inconsistent. And it was so hard for an author four years later to go, what what, what do we call coffee again? Yeah. What do we call a bathroom? <laughs> what do we call glass? What the hell is this? Um, but one of the things he said is, you know, don't worry. I've never used a transporter in a Star Wars novel. So just so you know, <laughs> there's those kind of big things. So the can- so while we were there, so the while we were there, we went to the canon panel. Basically, what this was, was there was representatives from, all, from the publishing houses that were there. Shelley Shapiro, who's the... Basically, the big group editor for Star Wars at Del Rey. Okay. Um, C.B. Sabolsky and I cannot remember the other editor's name. They are the managing editors for Marvel Publishing for their Star Wars comic books, which are in canon. Gotcha. Pablo Hidalgo is there as part of the story group. And Leland Chi is there, who is like the keeper of the holocron, is like his unofficial title. He was one of the first people to try and gather all this information, which Pablo was doing as well, from all these different sources and try to make them fit together. Right. And again, Lucasfilm's like, come do that for us. Yeah. So they're talking about this new endeavor of we've already started it with the canon novels. And then in September, it's going to explode. Mm-hmm. You're going to get four months worth of books and comics and novels and kids books that are all going to lead up to episode seven. The biggest thing being there are three books released between September and December yep. that are going to tell you some of the differences in what happens right after Jedi, what happens a few years after Jedi, and what happens just before Episode Seven, if I remember this right. But the biggest thing was with it was talking about the decision to dump the EU. Yes. And what Pablo Hidalgo said is, we, we, we're struggling with this idea of this fresh start. We've been acquired by a new company. That's a part of it. Mm-hmm. We're going forward. We're making new films. We're going to make a new TV series. We're going to make new games. We're going to make new So we comics. confirm the live action? Well, no. He's talking about Rebels. No. Oh. They knew once it, we're going to make these new projects. Right. And the biggest thing being we're making a new major motion picture with millions and millions and millions and millions of people that are going to watch it. And understanding that we've been doing the EU for 25 years now. Mm-hmm. There are so many fans who don't know the EU. Because they're new to Star Wars. Whether you like it or not, Clone Wars expanded the fan base. Rebels has expanded the fan base. This movie is going to explode. We, you and I, don't think about it. Episode 7 is going to be the first Star Wars film for so many people. Yeah. That they'll see on a big screen. And you don't think about that. I'm talking to people at work who are much, much younger than me. And talking about, well, yeah, I never saw Star Wars or Empire or Jedi. The first Star Wars movie I saw was Episode 1. Think about it. It's That's also the, 15 years after episode one. Right. I mean, it's been a, it's been a long time. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it'll be 10 years after episode three. Yep. 10 years between films. Um, the time between episode one and now is the same time it was between Jedi and episode one. Yeah. So that's crazy. He's, to he's think looking about that. at this and saying, not only do we not want to saddle our new creators with all of this backstory, all of this stuff. Mm hmm. We also don't want to saddle fans with this. We don't want fans to have to try and go backwards through hundreds of comics, hundreds of novels, 
dozens of video games, yep. dozens of online entries and short stories and all of this stuff. So it's a start fresh. And the easiest thing to do was to pick the stuff that you've seen on a screen, the mass media, movies, and TV series. Well, Clone and- Wars, Rebels, six films, that's it. And considering that George had always said... That it wasn't, and the there visuals, were in The it. visual medium is yeah. canon. So this was, they said this was the easiest way to do it, mm-hmm. is all of it is gone. And by doing that, they're then able to go forward, to tell new stories, to retell some of the stories, to fill in some of the gaps. And they said part of the problem was so many of these stories were trying that we were doing before were trying to fill in gaps. Right. Because we were jumping around all over the place and all of these pieces. As I'm sitting here th- thinking about this in this sort of continuity thing, the biggest difference now is that there is a group of people, a large group of people, this story group, that is able to coordinate between all of these different entities. Mm-hmm. Del Rey is talking to Marvel Publishing. Marvel Publishing is talking to the film, the, 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 the video game. Film. Well, the, well, the video Lucas game. Arts or whatever's left of yeah. it. The, the, the outside companies that are doing the video games. Right. They're being talked to by Marvel Publishing. Those guys are talking to the guys in the film. The film guys are talking to Marvel. The film guys are talking to Del Rey. They're all talking to each other now. This didn't happen 25 years ago. Right. Because we're pointing this out. Someone was like, well, you know, the very first two pieces of new fiction, new major fiction in the Star Wars universe is Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire. Yes. And Dark Horse's Dark Empire number, number one. Yes. Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire opens with the New Republic firmly established as the government of the galaxy. The Empire has gone on the remnant, and the most important part to what of the point I'm trying to make, and I'll get through it in just a moment, is that Coruscant is controlled by the New Republic. It is safe and secure for the New Republic they Correct. there. They Which also is about say, 20 on, years after Jedi, anyways. This is, no, this is the problem. This is my point. This is five years after Jedi. They're in control of Coruscant. It's also explained within the novel. Coruscant is this huge city planet. You can go down a couple of levels, but you ain't never going to reach the core anymore. Right. It's too, it's too dangerous. too much. Six months later, in December, Dark Empire number one is released. It's set six years after Jedi. So mm-hmm. a year after Heir to the Empire. And it features two factions of the Imperial military fighting on Coruscant to take control of the planet for themselves. Right. The New Republic is not in control of Coruscant at all. Well, it's not even the New Republic yet. It's just there. Luke and Lando have crashed on this planet as they're fight. They're trying to do this stupid mission. And they're on the surface. Yes. The very first two pieces of fiction in the Star Wars universe, major pieces of fiction in the Star Wars universe in the course of a decade, almost completely contradict each other. Because they don't get their timeline right. Because Dark Horse Comics isn't talking, isn't talking to, to, mm-hmm. to Ballantyne, who was published at the time, and Ballantyne isn't talking to Del Rey. Or Del Rey, I'm sorry, to, to, to Dark, Dark Horse. Horse. So you're talking the very first two pieces, and now you're trying to figure out how to fit 20 years of fiction into it? Right. And even then, when Dark Horse and, and, and Ballantyne or started this, they said, by the way, all the stuff that Marvel Comics did... None of that counts mm-hmm. because it's totally wrong. Wedge Antilles is from Tatooine and New Luke is a kid. Right. I was like, you, you remember reading that issue going, what the fuck is 
this? This is totally wrong. How yeah. did you get this wrong? Well, it wasn't. It wasn't until there started becoming more and more comics, more and more books that they started talking together and trying to. They get... weren't even. Started, it was creators themselves that were going out of their way to talk to another creator, going, "Hey, if I do this, am I going to screw something up that you're doing with a completely different thing?" Lucasfilm started to have a continuity editor. Lucy Autry was one of the continuity mm-hmm. editors. It was one person. Yeah. This now there's a story group, and they talked about in terms of canon. And the question is always, what's in canon? What's in canon? So in the in this book, there's this piece that 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 uh, remarks to something that was in the legend. So does that mean that legends book is now canon? No, it's just a little not. Right. The game thing was one of the biggest things. And what Leland Chi and Pablo Hidalgo said is, there is no way that an open ended game can be considered canon in terms of the gameplay. Something like Battlefront, you get to play the Battle of Endor, you get to play it as the Imperials, and you can win. Right. You save the bunker, you save the Death Star, and it goes on to obliterate planets throughout the galaxy. They're, they're saying parts of it will be. What the, what it seems to be is that what you're seeing in the cutscenes yes. is going to be canon or what have you. The the, the PSN, the P, whatever the, the small, the, the handheld, the, before the Vita even, whatever the, the PSP. PS, yeah, PSP was. The Battlefront game in there was had a story. Right. You played as a faction of the rebellion and you went through this story. Those type of games would now be considered something that would be canon, where there's just one ending. The Force Unleashed, if it were done now, would be, would be considered canon. canon. Right. Thank God it's not. Would be considered <laughs> right. canon because there's only one ending you can get to. You have right. to pass the final level. The Emperor faces and whatever Star Killer, Vader faces Starkiller, Starkiller survives, the Emperor and Vader go off to lick their wounds. If that's a game today, that game is considered canon. And Starkiller goes story. off to start the rebellion. Oh, for the love of God. And the symbol from his family becomes... Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, so that's what they're... So something like Battlefront... Well, they're saying that with Battlefront, you're going... If you pre-order Battlefront, you get the Battle of Jakku, which is another big thing that was announced. We found out that the desert planet that we saw in the first in the first teaser is not Tatooine. So there is another desert planet in the universe. Because every planet only <laughs> has one environment. But that's not what they're saying. They're saying now that there is going to be other environments within one planet. <gasps> I know. It means we don't have to go from planet to planet just to go from <laughs> jungle to, to, to desert. So the Battle of Jakku takes place, I think, after Jedi, right after Jedi. What what I seem to remember saying, hearing is that the Battle of Jakku is the first major skirmish between the Rebel Alliance slash going to be New Republic and the remnants of the Empire after the Emperor dies. Right. It's in a sense, it would be like the first major offensive that the Rebel Alliance takes part in. After defeating the, the, you defeat the Emperor, so you have the head killed, Darth Vader's killed, your Death Star's blown up, the major part of the fleet is destroyed yes. in, in the Battle of Endor. This is what the Expanded Universe started with. Right. This is, the Truce of Pecora is the Rebel Alliance trying to form a government, going to this planet, to, to and then the Empire shows up and it ends up being... <laughs> the, I never even finished that book. But that was not? the first No. Um, but as you get to it later, the, the, when they talk about uh, the because X-wing, then courtship of Princess Leia led in right after it. Yeah, it's it, in in X-wing Rogue Squadron tried to tell this story. Yes, X-wing Rogue Squadron very much is the story of how the Rebel Alliance becomes the New Republic and how they establish themselves through the government, through both the comics and the book. Um, whoops! Oh, don't 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 touch that there. Apparently, 
It, it doesn't like you touching it there. Hey, what's up? Um, they were kind of telling it. how this thing, what this would be, would probably be this, the military part of it. Of this big battle takes place right after this right. is the alliance is chasing after what's left of the the, the imperial fleet. And, you know, just deliver that crushing blow, and you can keep moving forward. Or it's the planet is an open rebellion. They're going to finally stop the empire from subjugating them. Whatever it is, yes, it's going to be a major part. And it, it sounds like it's going to be the focus of the aftermath book, right? And what it sounds like, what it. they, what they were, what the developers in line for Battlefront were saying that the Battle of Jakku that is in that is mentioned in Episode Seven, you get to play that battle in Battlefront. Yes. So it, it it's something that gets mentioned. So you know the Death Star or the, the Star Destroyer that's crashed on Jakku in the desert. You will probably play the battle that causes it to be there. But okay, so moving on. So I mean, move along, move along. Um, Friday, you know, I mean, there was lines everywhere, and so that was expected. Um, Friday night, uh, there was a big. Well, there wasn't a really big. There was a a party set up for the guilds. Um, oh, I was going to say at the Marriott. I thought you were talking about the one just outside. I'm like that no, was no, Saturday. No, no. That, that was Saturday. But there was a party set up for the guilds, and if you were a, if you had gotten the VIP or Jedi Master or uh, the the Jedi Knight badges, then you could go into that party badges? as well. Badges? We don't no, need no stinking badges. But yes, you were able to go to it. And it was. They said it was a small affair, but you know they gave like a certain pin or something for being there. And yeah. Um, pins were big. No, oh, pins were very the big. The collector track pins, man. Those things. You could. That was that was the biggest thing from the celebration store. It's all anybody wanted. You could tell that that pin so collecting expensive. has taken over, which is a big Disney thing too. Yeah. Um, but then Saturday came. Saturday. Then Saturday came. Felt like Comic Con. Oh, it felt worse than Comic Con. Uh, you know, on Saturday they they said the whole convention had completely sold out. And that there was going to be over a hundred thousand people there. Well, this is this is on Saturday. My friend Melissa went, and one of the things that I thought was important was to go through the Force Awakens room. Yes. So we went upstairs probably around noon. It's like noon twelve thirty. So the floor's been open. You for went hours. up. You went up about because I went up three times. No, because I because you when you left me because I, I I saw you because Arabella and Beth had just gotten in line. To go get Ashley's autograph because Arabelle was dying to meet her. Um, they got in line about eleven thirty, and then I walked over and I saw you. It was probably about eleven forty five or something, and I think that's when you guys went upstairs. You were just leaving Lego. Yeah, we went. We we did the the little Lego thing, and then we went upstairs. So yeah, it was about noon or so, and the line was completely out of the building. Mm-hmm. So the 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 little the, the little room that was before the room where the all the, the props were right that was full, the hallway. snake line in the hallway was full, <laughs> and then it went across and it went all the way out past the R two builders and all well, the way out. Not only just out the building, it was out the building and around the corner. Wow! Already. So we decided, well, we'll try this later. Go downstairs, go back upstairs a few hours later, out the building and stuff. So we went up the third time. We went was at four o'clock. The convention center doesn't close till seven. Correct. They capped the line because, as the the gentleman that I was talking to said, the line is running between three and a half 
and four and a half hours mm-hmm. for the entire day. Yep. Well, that's what the the battlefront or the battle. Yeah, the battlefront line to go see the trailer and the five minutes of actual gameplay. The average wait time was three and a half hours. So stupid. Just for just for that part. That wasn't even the, the, the game X-Wing thing. Experience. The game thing is out of control. Yes, it's out of control. We've talked about this with Comic Con. If you're willing to stand in line for three and a half hours, because but you didn't even get you, to play it. That's what I mean. You have to. You get to see a pre-recorded dorks that did it four months ago playing on a screen, uh-huh. and you're sitting there going, "This is this is what my this is worth it." This is what my I don't want to go see props from episode seven. I don't want to try and sit in line to play a game right in the Star Wars bubble pods or battle pods. We'll talk about that later. No, I want to stand in line for three hours to sit in a little room where a guy gets gets you hyped and says, here's the trailer. I know you've already seen it on your phones. Yep. Here's the trailer. Boom. Here's five minutes of game. You're not playing it. You're in that room less than 15 minutes. That's. I, I don't understand that. <laughs> you were in that room less There's than... a lot of things I can understand. I get the Hall H guys to a certain degree from right. Comic-Con. I'll get the... If you want to stand in line four and a half hours because you're like, dude, I have to see the actual hero prop for BB-8 for this movie that I know I'm going to love. I want to see the real thing right in front uh-huh. of my face. Fine. The you're X-Wing... telling me I want to sit in line for four hours so that I can see five minutes of a game that I'm going to buy the day of its release mm-hmm. and probably finish it within four minutes? Shut up. What hey, is wrong with you? The X-Wing part was great because they put you in the the orange you know, the orange flight suit, you get the helmet, and you're actually inside a mock-up of the X-Wing cockpit. I can understand that. I would never do it, but I can understand it to a certain degree. Because you've, I mean, you've wanted to be in an X-Wing. And to sit in a mock-up was you know, yeah, but I'm not sitting. I'm not taking three hours to do it. And but I'm not taking was, three hours in which I'm missing the rest of a Star Wars show. No, and it wasn't a three. Hour, we were we were in line probably about three an hour and a half. Hour we were in an hour and a half to sit in there for about fifteen seconds. Yeah, there you go. But you also got the you know the YouTube clip of it. Yeah, there you go. So I did. But, make it, I did make it to Delray every other day. But Beth did. We we stood in line for to see Ashley, and. Uh, which was pretty cool, and Arabella's reaction to that was amazing. But while we were there, uh, Ray Park came out to sign autographs, and there was a Darth Maul in line. And he took his lightsaber and started going into his whole routine, mm-hmm. which was amazing to see him do that. Oh yeah, well, he, knows, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, that I mean that was awesome. There's so no, that was that's not CGI in that first film. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. No, no, no. So that was worth it. Well, Saturday when we were in line, unfortunately, we were in the middle of this, you know, the big queue line in the E building. We weren't on. We weren't on the side that was open. One of the best things they did is that you had a, a, a you know a, a grouping, a line grouping, separated by stanchions. You had a second line grouping separated by stanchions. But then they had a little space between it, so you could actually get out mm-hmm. and be able to walk and go to the bathroom and come back without having to like shuffle past a bunch of people. The best part of this on Saturday is Anthony Daniels walked through those. That's awesome. And said hi to fans and stuff like that. So Sunday when I went. I made sure I was on the outside just in case. And sure enough, he came through. Yeah. So I was very, you know, I've met Anthony Daniels before. I met him at Comic-Con years ago when people were like, Star Wars is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have some collector's book somewhere. I think it was like the first Steve Stampsweet book where they went through all the figures and stuff. It's signed by Anthony Daniels. Um, so, yeah, that was that was. Cool. And then Saturday night, they had the big dance party out in 
where you know the courtyard where they you know, right yeah, in the front. I was way gone before that. And they they had the, they had the you know they still had had the uh, the food trucks out there, but then the food trucks stopped and they had a whole line of bartenders. Which this is another thing inside the con. This is the let's first talk, time let's, I've let's ever seen it. Talk about, first, okay, so the first inside the con. The first thing, I, the first time I've ever seen where you could go up to bartenders and buy not only beer but hard alcohol. Yeah, hip, hipster Star Wars. Here's the things that they that I thought they got better than WonderCon, which was only two weeks ago. There were more of those smaller sections for food. Yes, pretzels, nachos, chips, water, soda, whatever. There was even a place that had uh, orange chicken. Yeah, but I mean these little places, these little you know, there was enough of them that you. You didn't have to stand in a huge line if you needed food. Right. If you're like, I have to have at least a pretzel right now, you could get it in 15 minutes in yes. 30 different places in there. That was one. Two, more food trucks than was there for WonderCon. Yes. Almost half as many again, if not double. Yes. Three, fucking picnic tables on the other side of the food trucks. Yes. Real tables, not those stupid stand-up they ones. They had real tables they had real out tables. there. Four... Four, four. Let's see. Alcohol, food, food. Okay. Four, they had water dispensers. The yes. one thing Comic-Con gets so much better than WonderCon, there's a water dispenser in every single panel room. If you walk uh, into a panel huh? room and you didn't bring your water with you, there is water there for you. Well, what was it? You walked into one panel and they had tables? Yeah. When I walked into the John Jackson Miller table or panel, I think it was because it, there was some kid activity there too, but okay. they had tables in front of us. I was like, this is great. I put my bag on the ground, <laughs> but I have, I have my water here. I had... Uh, peanut M&M's, I've discovered the best thing to bring with you. If you can't get packs of like like trail mix and stuff, bring peanut M&M's. They're easy to, they don't melt. They're easy to pour it. You buy the, the beef jerky size one. Too. Beef jerky is always good. But I was like, because when we went to WonderCon, there was a day we went and white chocolate was eating peanut M&M's. And I said, damn, that's a good idea. So before this, I bought, I think I bought seven bags or eight bags. And I had like two bags a day just to get me through the day. Because oh we didn't go anywhere to eat I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> end of the day. Oh, this was the first time. This was the first con that we didn't stop for lunch most of the time. Like I don't I don't think it was until yeah you're doing you're Sunday doing style. We didn't do, stop until Sunday to have lunch. Wow, that was such a mistake for me. Anyway, um, <laughs> twenty dollar pizza. I it wasn't until I sat down. I think I was like I just spent twenty bucks on a pizza, and it's not that good. <laughs> what the hell did I do? Because every other line for the food trucks was but, the same. But it was a stone oven, you know, over an open yeah. flame from a truck. It wasn't, it wasn't worth it. I could have I could have spent ten dollars and gone to, to Carl's Jr. on the way out the door, <laughs> as it was because I was done anyway. Um, I can't remember. Saturday was for me was a lot of walking around looking stuff because I had someone with me. That was the only day they were there. Well, Thursday and Friday is when we really spent most of our. We we did a lot of shopping. Those we did two a lot days. of. The, well, I didn't do a lot of shopping those two days. That was the one thing I didn't spend. A, I spent a decent amount of money, but didn't spend anywhere near what I thought I would. Because I, what I did is I had pre-ordered a piece of art from mm-hmm. the Celebration Art. Those who don't know, there are, there's a number of artists who do exclusive pieces for Celebration. They're limited to 250. They can only be sold at Celebration, or you can only sell those 250. Right. Um, if you have leftovers, they let you bring them to other places. Uh, there was a piece that I pre-ordered. There was a piece from um, uh, an artist named Cat Skaggs that I've always wanted. I picked up one of hers. One of the things I was disappointed in when we went to Celebration Four. There was like 50 artists. Remember they oh, gave you that there was booklet? there so many artists. And this, there was like a dozen. Yeah. And really, outside of those two pieces, there was nothing else I saw there. There were more tattoo artists than there were actual yeah. artists. Outside of the two pieces I purchased, I didn't see anything that I was like, oh my God, I want to have. I the only didn't... thing, 
The only thing I came close was that beautiful long piece that Brian Rude did. Yes. Which he sold out of like on Friday He's morning. Completely sold out of he it. He blew out of that thing. Those two fifty were gone. He had he had one other one that was an exclusive. Whereas in Celebration Four, I bought Killian Plunkett's piece. Mm-hmm. I Adam Hughes was already sold out. There was I, I remember walking by four other pieces of art going, Oh my god, I want this. Yeah. I want this so bad. I can't afford it, but I want it really bad. So I had brought all my money to buy art, and there wasn't any art there. I didn't we, spend we much money up, in the celebration store because there was nothing to buy. We picked up three pieces of a, a, a uh, New Hope, Empire, and Jedi piece that all fit together from Russell Walk, and he also had these uh, postcard. Oh, they're a little bit bigger than postcards. They're more like eight by tens of propaganda art, and he had yeah. nine pieces that came together in this emblem, in this folder. And the folder is really cool because it's the Empire cog with the Jedi or with the uh, with the. Re- Republic symbol in the middle, hmm. and then it's got a quote from Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, from uh, yeah, his New stuff Hope. looked great. He had a he had one from Celebration Europe. He did uh, speeder bikes mm-hmm. like a nineteen uh, seventies racing poster. Yes, for for a Grand Prix. It was a very it wasn't a very big print. It was eight by eleven, right tops, and it, it was it was too much for the size for me. But I came really close to buying that. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, yeah, I bought some figures. Um, I picked up a EFX uh, Stormtrooper helmet, yeah, you picked up a Stormtrooper. which I'm glad I got it when I did because they completely sold out of it. And then they had some of the Shadow Trooper ones, but those were gone too. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think Saturday was just really. Arabella and I walking around. <laughs> On Saturday, Arabella picked up a Tribble, which yeah. was funny. <laughs> Gotta pick up a Tribble. Uh, <laughs> what else did we do Saturday? I went to the Rancho Obi Wan exhibit. Uh, I have a friend who's a member of that. She's like a Rancho Obi Wan member, so they yeah. have a fast pass, basically a VIP entrance. You Did you see VIP. there was a wedding there? Uh, I believe it. Yeah, and because uh, Steve Sansweek is, uh, he he's a he's you know ordained to help some yeah some some fake religion. Yeah. <laughs> so, it is kind of funny going through Steven Sansweet. It was a lot of the one of a kind stuff, personal stuff, fan mm-hmm. stuff, art, and stuff like that. And I'm like, this isn't what I'm interested in. I want to see like the old Kenner shit, right? I want to see the unproduced stuff. I want to see that that real stuff. But I guess that's all. Up there. I wish they would have brought some of that stuff. That's what I mean. They didn't bring any of it. No. They brought they brought the stuff that was there. I thought the funniest thing was a fan very quickly made a. They used a Han Solo action figure. They customized it to make it look older. The card was episode seven, you know, just in Star Wars episode seven. Yeah. This was before the name was released. And I, it was like Han in like old outfit or whatever. But he has the brace on his leg when the door fell on him the Falcon. <laughs> nice. So that was that was awesome. I took a bunch of pictures of that. There were a couple of cool pieces in there. They had this huge oil painting mural of like different toys and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. this like history of collecting for it. And there were hidden pieces in it. There was also a lot of the, they had like pieces of the inspiration. There's like a Flash Gordon uh, yeah. toy in there because that was obviously a big influence. There was uh, oh geez, I can't remember some of the other stuff. But the one thing was there was um, the Hasbro booth showed some exclusive stuff. The yeah. Hasbro booth showed some stuff. They I remember when they were, oh, it was a, there was like a Where's Jar Jar instead of yeah. Waldo. There was a Jar Jar hidden somewhere in this painting, and we took forever to try and find. It. I never even saw it. But it was there. Yeah, the Hasbro booth showed some new stuff, which was it showed surprising. The six inch Ahsoka, the six inch Ahsoka, Rebels. and a couple of new black three and three quarter that mm-hmm. we'll never see because they'll never get to to. Uh, and there's some the of them that they're that they're re, you know they're starting to put back out, like the Han and Carbonite, where he you know has the mm-hmm. after he comes out of the Carbonite. 
Um, yeah, you might as well just keep re-releasing stuff since yeah, there's it a, the first time and people will think, oh, it's new. There's a C-3PO where you can, the, a gold version that you can take off the 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 mask. Yeah, it very much know. looks like the, the droids version of it. You yeah. Know, the, the way that it's kind of put together. So. But it, it, remember there was an episode two figure that you could put on the silver um, outer skin for 3PO. Sure. Because there was supposed to be a scene where Padme puts the outer skin on C-3PO, but they cut it for time and just had him already put in his, you know, his silverish skin. Silver So that was, you know, they, they had some cool stuff there. Um, I'm trying to think about some of the other boots that, you know, there were there weren't, there was a lot of sales booth, you know, a lot of vendors. That were selling old, vendors, you know, yeah. the old figures and the vintage of, and other stuff, and it was, yeah, it was kind of interesting to see stuff that you're like, oh yeah, like I forgot that the first series, the first black series, twenty the six inch figures, mm-hmm. of which I always intended to open but didn't, and now three quarters of them are anywhere from fifty to seventy five dollars. Yeah, I still uh, the R two is like outrageous now. Yeah, the R two is insane. The the Darth Maul went crazy mm-hmm. too, and I was like, I forgot Darth Maul was in that. Now there's they, they're making a third version of the Sand Trooper. Yeah, they've made the orange, you know, the the orange um, shoulder piece. They made the white one, and now they're doing the black one. People love the Sand Trooper. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was a lot of that type of stuff. I mean, in terms of vendors, you had booths, all the, you had all the fan guilds. Uh, yeah, you had the Five of First, the, the Rebel Legion. Yeah. Oh, we'll go back to the Canon panel. This is the funniest part of the Canon panel. So they show the the D, the new DK release, the Ultimate Star Wars. Uh, character, creatures, technology, locations, vehicles. It's the new DK like encyclopedia. Yes, which is supposed to come out next week. Yeah, and and Pablo Hidalgo has it. He's showing everybody this is it. He says it doesn't come out for another week or two weeks or whatever. And but it's available at the Mysterious Galaxy booth downstairs. So as mm-hmm. soon as the panel is over on Friday, I went straight to that <laughs> booth. I'm standing in line, and the young woman behind me asked me if I was in the panel, and I said yes. And she said, yeah, I thought so, since we're buying the same book. I look at the guy in front of me. He's got the same book. I'm like, were you in the panel? Yeah. The the person behind the young woman behind me, so two people behind me, were you in the panel? How many people in this line were in the panel? All of us were buying the book. There's like seven of us. So it just like, as soon as the panel was over, we all rushed downstairs. To well, I'm this. glad you told me about it because, you know, obviously, I mean, I picked it yeah, up. You it's picked here it on up my on coffee s- table. On Sunday. Yeah. Um, and that day, I picked up the the new Lego dictionary one, which is awesome because it shows yeah. all the minifigures and where you can get them. And now, which going, is very, I mean, they got that out pretty quick because that's already updated with all the rebels. And it has the rebel stuff in it. Yep, that's got all this. It's got the stuff from the first half of 2015 in it. Yeah. So I mean, there was a lo- there's a, a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Sunday Sunday wasn't as bad as Saturday because no. Sunday there was a huge panel. Yes, with Gareth, Gareth Edwards and the director of the second anthology film, whose name totally escapes me. I totally we'll get to that now. in a minute. So that day, I walk in on Saturday. I walk up to get the Lego, the, the free Lego, and the line is insanely out of control mm-hmm. versus the first two days. It oh ran fairly God. quickly, but it was a lot longer. Sunday it was still really bad too. Sunday was really bad when you got there. When oh. I got there, it was it was still okay. I was within sight of the red carpet when I got in line. The Her was Universe actually, booth. Blew the Her up Universe too. booth, yeah. Which you got to buy forty dollars t-shirts. Which is really bad though, because they had Lego, they had the Lego booth, and then they had the Lego player. The layout, yeah. just like we were talking about with WonderCon, the layout of this con was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, huge open area sections that didn't need to be there, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden, 
the battlefront and the Star Wars pods are right up next to each other, and they had two of the longest lines for the entire con. Yep. So back to Sunday, go through, do the Lego, build my Millennium Falcon, walk over to the aforementioned Star Wars battle pods. Now this is a new arcade game, and it's there, and you can actually play it. And be in it. Uh, well, it's a you pod. actually play it. It's yeah. a pod. And I'm looking, and I'm, I start at the other end of the booth where you would get into the pod, and I start walking back, and I'm like, well, this is this is it? This is the line? This is by far the shortest that this line has been. So I got in it. 45 minutes. Wow. This is an old school type of arcade game, like the old Afterburner, or even the first Star Wars game. I was going to say the Star Wars used to be the sit-down. Yeah. But this is, it's a curved screen that completely immerses your vision. You have a joystick or a control stick, fighter stick, whatever you want to call it, and a throttle. There's a number of missions you can play. You can play the trench run of battle, Battle Yavin. You can play the Battle Hoth. You can play... um, Beggars Canyon. Uh, if you ha- if they have Beggars Canyon, it wasn't there. Oh, I thought I saw one up there. It looked like it was Beggars Canyon, or um, like on Tatooine or something. Yeah, I don't know if that one's in there because they they had I think it was only five. They had the trench, they had the Battle Hoth, they had a uh, uh, Endor. Mm. You were on a speeder bike. Nice. And there's got to be one more that I'm missing. And then they also had one called Vader's Revenge. This was the expert level. You're in his Tie Fighter, fighting against like a rebel fleet. That's it was cool. insane. So I played Hoth because it's my favorite. And the first thing you notice for someone like me who has just a little bit more than mild motion sickness, you're not <laughs> controlling anything. It's it's like you're in the cockpit. You know, you don't see you don't even see the lines of the cockpit, so it's first person. And it rises up, you know, on the repulsor list, get up, and it starts to move to the right as you're taking off. Oh, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I've made a terrible mistake. I've waited in line for 45 minutes, and I'm going to throw <laughs> up. I talked to somebody else who played that game, and they said they got motion sickness. It, the, once you get into it, once you're using the control stick, and you're kind of moving with the screen. Right. And you're moving because you can control. If I know that I'm going to bank right, I'm I'm controlling banking right. Right. Whereas when you're just a passenger, you're not controlling it. Your body is going... Your eyes are telling me I'm moving. Right. Your body is going, I'm not moving. That's where most of It's like watching somebody in. play a first-person shooter game when all of a sudden yeah, they start moving like, around. Ugh. So once you get into it, it's super intense. The graphics are amazing. You play the Battle of Hoth. You're supposed to, the first thing you do is protect the generator. You have to shoot down... Um, probe droids? Uh, there's probe droids in it. There's TIE bombers in it. Nice. Uh, you... You follow up one of the the snow speeders that knocks down the the, the adat. You have to hit the adat in the neck and it blows it up. And then you get the second part of the mission is protect the transport from a tie interceptor. I am in a T forty seven snow speeder. There is no way I'm going to keep up with an effing tie interceptor. I'm trying to shoot this motherfucker down, <laughs> move back, and I'm screwed with like. Get over! Come on, you son of a bitch! So it, it was actually the way it would be if a snowspeeder went up against a tie. Somewhat, yes. I mean, it's it's a little. The snowspeeder moves a little bit better, but I failed that part, and so that was the end of it. But I watched some of the other. The Endor one is amazing. That the I saw some of the Vader's Revenge because when you're in line, you can see where the people are playing inside these pods. The Vader's Revenge one was insane. There is just the, the screen is littered with crap. You know, there's exploding stuff, exploding capital ships and X-Wings and A-Wings and B-Wings that are flying at nice. you. And you're flipping and all of it was insane. This was the thing. I did this and I'm like, this is awesome. This is one of my favorite things of the whole weekend. I only waited 45 minutes for it. I want to buy one of these. <laughs> and I was like, 
and, and they're handing out coupons for Dave and Buster's. I'm like, there's not a Dave and Buster's out where I live. They're all out here. Uh-huh. I'm coming out here more. This is crazy. Um, it's in a couple of different locations. I think they said there's there's 250 locations and 73 of them are in California. Nice. So okay, so definitely something. Go blow your court. It's probably like <laughs> four bucks to play, but yeah. oh, it was so worth it. So Thursday was the uh, Force Un- for- Force Unleashed. Force Awakens trailer. You're not the the official Star Wars a, a, a Twitter account made that mistake more than once. They kept hashtagging Force Unleashed on Thursday instead of Force Awakens. <laughs> on Friday, it was the Battlefront. Friday on, was the Battlefront. On Saturday, the was big Rebels. Rebels trailer. Well, not only that, Rebels trailer in the season two premiere was that for day. for yeah. You, I mean, you you had a two part season two premiere if you were lucky enough to get into the panel. But for those that weren't, they got the trailer. Which was amazing, but it yeah. did show quite. It shows a, bit. a lot, but it's it's exciting. The and biggest we'll thing, and here's where I geek. Here's where my geek went a uh, little, you know, pissy, I guess. It looks like the Alliance, the Rebels, have a wings already, which is before. No, I got, I got you. I got you totally beat. Are you? I'm, I'm wing. I'm in. No, I'm in battle pods. There's the transport. What's attacking the transport? The TIE Interceptor? Yeah. Out loud, out of my mouth. This is way too early for this thing. Come on. Because <laughs> we're trying to shoot this thing down. Go, There's no TIE Interceptors in the battle. Well, when you said you were going against that, that's the first thing I thought of. I was, was like, totally geek out. Yeah. Well, we had the same reaction in Dark Horse's Star Wars number one. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, a TIE Interceptor? Yeah. Right after the battle, he happened. No. They've already said, no, this was much, much later. I said the same thing when I saw it. I'm like, they already have A-Wings? Yeah. I'm like that was supposed to be like after Hoth, right? I, Come now, on, the, guys. The B-wing prototype, I'm fine with, because you know it's but a I'm prototype. They're like, well, if they have the A-wings now, why didn't they use, use them, them in the battle? Yeah, the whole point of the Y-wing. That's what I saw the two, and I'm like, the point of the Battle of Yavin is that they're using the the Y-wings that are already outdated. Yes. And I hate when they do this because I'm like, the whole point is like the X-Wing was supposed to be the thing. Yes. The guys from Incom steal the plans and they bring it to the Rebel Alliance and the Alliance finally is in a spot where they can manufacture their own goods. They don't have to steal everything. Uh-huh. And you're telling me now the Rebel Alliance hasn't even been formed. The whole point of this. I'm reading A New Dawn, finally, and the first couple of chapters with Hera is basically I'm standing up to the Empire by myself and she's trying to find other people. That's what the whole point of the first season of Rebels right. is. We're our own little group. There's got to be somebody else out there somewhere. That's Fulcrum and all of this at the start of it. And then I'm like, A-Wings, already? How? Did- no! <laughs> so, and then I just stop and go, I'm everything that I can hate, but I'm just still there. Like, can't you leave something? Can't something be later? Why does everything have why to be better than Why do we have to show than everything than now? It wasn't even that. I'm like, why does everything have to be better than it was before? Yeah. That's one of the reasons I hated The Force Unleashed. As uh-huh. well, badass as Vader is, check it out. This kid could kick his ass six ways from Sunday, throw him into a, throw him into the middle of the Death Star, have it Pull blow down, up, I... and then just stop and go, I'm going to put all the pieces of the Death Star back together using my hands, but all of a sudden he can't defeat Vader all well, by himself? Well, he's also pulling a Star Destroyer oh. out of orbit. Um, That's one of the problems going forward. Yeah. <laughs> they're always trying to one-up what's already been done before. So, uh, yeah, but we don't know. I mean, we're, we're just seeing, you know, we see a squadron of A-Wings in there. It could be something else, you know, where they, but. No, they're A-Wings. No, I know. I know I know it's A-Wings. Dave but... Filoni's done it again. <laughs> um, so then, you know, Sunday comes around. And Sunday was pretty, you know, it was a little bit laid back, more laid back than uh that's what else I did Saturday. I did the audio drama. 
The Smuggler's Bounty. That's oh. what I did. I knew, I knew it was like there's something else I did. I went to the arena to see the live radio drama of The Smuggler's Bounty. Apparently, they do this at celebrations where they get uh, voice actors to do a old school type yes. uh, radio drama. They did two um, of them. Didn't they do it? One of the Shakespeare ones too. They did one of the Shakespeare ones. That was Sunday, but this was they did one called Smuggler's Fool or something for the last mm-hmm. celebration, um, and starring Han Solo. And then this, it's, it's people. For, uh, the the guy who hosts it is not Tom. Is it? Tom, it's not Tom Taylor. Is it Tom Taylor? It's the guy who did the voice for Obi Wan. Who right. does a lot of stuff for Star Wars now. He's part of podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who did the voice for Yoda. Uh, Sam Whitmer, who played Star Sam, Killer. Sam Whitmer. Yeah, he was there. Uh, Jamie King, uh-huh. who's I guess married to one of the producers. Well, she's also a major Star Wars fan too. Yeah. So th- it was, and that was it was cool. It was exciting to see. It was a lot of fun. So that's what else I did on Saturday. I was trying to remember, I was like, I know there was something else that I sat down in on Saturday. I can't remember <laughs> what the hell it was. But Sunday, the first thing we did when we got there was we we jumped in line for Lego. And that line was ridiculous. Yeah, because I did the Star on Wars Battle Sunday. You told was... me that you were in line when I got in line for Star Wars Battle Pods. Yeah. And then walked back over to Lego and you were still in line and then sort of jumped in the line. The and best the thing about one. the best thing about standing in that line was that I looked over at one of the vendor booths and they had the uh separation of the twins figures. One of them they had they had Lilea for thirty, and I looked over at the guy and I said, "How much for both of them?" And he gave them to me for fifty. So I finally got those two figures. Granted, it's probably ten times more than what they were originally, but well, maybe not that much because they were about what ten dollars well, figures. I don't even think you would have seen them. Yeah, I never. Saw I never them saw. Retail, I yeah. never saw them in retail. So Get I was used to that phrase, people. Yeah, I know, right? So I ended up finally picking up those figures because they seeing them online, they were like two to three hundred dollars. So I was like, fine, I'll just get them. So that was the big thing that I picked up on Sunday that I was excited about. Um, Beth has decided she wants to be a rebel pilot. So she wants to join the uh, rebel the Rebel Legion as a rebel pilot. And Yeah, we'll see where that goes. Which is really cool because, you know, we, we did find um, that you can, there's a site that, uh, like, you can get the molds for the uh, the helmet. It comes in pieces, and you put it together, and then you paint it yourself for like ninety dollars for the you know for the helmet, which is not bad for it. No, I always wanted a rebel helmet, so I guess you could. I guess but, that'd be cool. Um, Sunday, that the, the of course the big thing Sunday is that they had one of the reasons Sunday didn't feel as bad as some of the other days is their big panel for there were there were, there were two big panels. There was the anthology panel, and then the closing ceremony. Yeah, well, the closing ceremony is crap. Right. Um, <laughs> The anthology panel, is, to me, was the big one because we finally got to find out what the anthology movie is about. Yes. Which is? Rebel, or Rogue One. Rogue One. Which what, what is it about? It takes place months before uh, Princess Leia starts, you know, the start of A New Hope. So the Rogue One is the stealing of the Death Star plans. I think that's a great idea. I think it's... I, well, as, as soon, soon as, as I, I heard saw it, it, I was like... This is a major moment. Yes. And this is one of the things they talked about going back into the canon panel. Of, they're talking about filling in gaps. What stories are left? What's mm-hmm. to, and one of the questions was, how do you decide where you're going to tell a story? Right. What story is going to fit as a movie? What story is going to fit as a comic? What story is going to fit as a thing? One of the things they mentioned was the Star Wars comics. They said Jason Aaron and Kieran Gillen, who were writing the Star Wars series and the Darth Vader series, respectively, apparently have long-term plans for these books. Yeah. 
And so this is the perfect place to tell it. And they fit not together gonna, perfectly. Yeah, it's not going to work in a movie. It's not going to work in a book because right. it's actually going to end too early. I always go back to this for the legacy book series, which I guess they're now all called legacies. but They're legends. Legends, that's what it is. Okay, so the legacy book series. This big book series works as a book series. There is so much going on. Correct. So many different factions. It's It's got political motivations it's got it's machiavellian and a lot of its stuff there's so much talk about you know the changing of the the definition of the force yada yada mm-hmm. all of these different boba fett han and what han's going through after losing anakin uh, his youngest son what jason and jana are going through what luke's going through reestablishing the order yada this is a this could only exist as a book series there's no right. way this could ever be a movie so it's perfect where it's at one of the funny things is someone asked about that in the panel they asked Shelly Shapiro, who's the head of the the, the, the editor of Delray, and they said, you know, are, are we going to get to one of these stories where it's so big we have all these different authors? And she says, oh, those are a lot of fun, but they're a lot of work. Oh yeah, <laughs> and she's especially New Jedi Order. Yes, and I think I felt that New Jedi Order too because I gave up New Jedi Order very early. But she's New Jedi Order is nineteen books over something mm-hmm. like six mm-hmm. authors. Legacy seemed to be. Kind of reading between the lines is that Legacy was planned. Legacy in was the first attempt at it, too. No. No, no, no. Jedi New Je- Order New was. Jedi Order was. That's right. New Jedi Order was this first thing where it was like this huge expanse and multiple authors were taking on. Yes. There were trilogies that were before that were done. Timothy Zahn's, obviously. Kevin J. Anderson did a trilogy by himself. Michael P. Kubin did a trilogy by himself. Well, then there were also the. Uh, the- the Jedi uh, Academy books, which, you know. Yeah, the, the, the kids stuff is a little up bit into easier. It. Yeah. Legacy was set up as. We're going to do this many books. We're going to do three authors or four authors or whatever it is. You guys are going to get together. They were able to hash it up. Anyway, so in this sort of thing, in going back to Rogue One, this is the type of story. This is a great idea. And this is kind of what I thought the anthology was going to be. And I was hoping it was going to be. It, was that it wasn't going to be set in the same timeline as the new trilogy. Right. Because it gives you a break. It gives you a big story that's important. But it also is much smaller in scope. Mm-hmm. It just has to be an action adventure film. No Jedi in the film. There's no Jedi. It's a military film. It's a it's a heist film. Whatever and it, you want to call. And it is it. go back to go all the way back to when we were first talking about this idea. And we were talking. We said, what if it's a Boba Fett film? I said, all a Boba Fett film needs to be is a chase film. Right. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be blowing up planets. It doesn't have to be an invasion from another alien from uh-huh. beyond the outer rim. It just has to be Boba Fett is chasing somebody and he's trying to get him and that's it. This yep. is the great thing. There's a MacGuffin in it. There's going to be it's going to be Star Wars, it's going to be 2 hours, it's going to be a fun romp and you're out. And here's the funny thing. If you go back and look at George Lucas's original notepad where he laid out 12 movies, there were 4 movies before A New Hope. Now, there are going to be Four movies before A New Hope. Well, there's going to be a lot more than four before they're done with it. Yeah. Because this is, I think what this also establishes, this idea that they can have movies. You can have movies every year, and they don't have to be trilogies. They don't have to be these connections. There's so many stories to tell. Now, and the trailer that they showed, or the teaser that they showed for Rogue One was beautiful. It doesn't tell you anything. I didn't even see it. Except for what, what happens is... You it starts out dark and then all of a sudden you're you're flying over top of a forest and you know you're kind of like in the valley between in between trees 
and then all of a sudden a tie fighter flies overhead and as the tie fighter makes the makes the clearing then you come up behind him in the clearing and silhouetted in orbit around the planet it looks to, at first it looks to be just another you know planet a larger planet but then as you make it out of the clearing you see the dish array for the death star so it comes into full view that it's the death star well, that's cool. And then it goes to you know it goes black and goes to the start as the Rogue One anthology title comes up, you start hearing all of this calm chatter, you know that's kind of like there's a lot of distress or something going on, like military calm chatter would be, and then it gives you the logo and says Christmas or it says uh, December uh, uh, 2016. 2016. Which I, I thought was actually kind of weird because I I could have sworn I had read somewhere that the the anthology film was May too, was was going to be released in May also. Right, also which is going to be so you're going to get Star Wars Episode Seven in December of this year. They made an Episode Seven, <laughs> Rogue One, December 2016, and then if they're talking the way that they were, that means that Episode Eight will be May of 2018. So although you know at this point I have a feeling they're going to go with Christmas. I have a feeling I've kind of said that too. They'll they'll, ha- they'll allow the Marvel films to be, you know, May and November or whatever. You know, if they're doing that, or or summer, um, if you if you do the way that Guardians was in there, and allow Star Wars to be that Christmas movie. Maybe. So. I if this is actually on here. But yeah, it's. Oh, that's what I forgot to tell you is that they have Obi Wan talking over it. I redo it with Legos. Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> yeah, there's a guy that redid it with Legos because it looks like it, it, it. There's no official trailer up. Um, there, it, there's not an official one, but there is a there is a bootlegged one that's from the side that you can see it. Interesting. But yeah, it is. It's definitely oh. anyway. It's definitely exciting, and it, it's in the same panel they had the director for the second one too. Yes, they did. But they didn't give you any information from it. No, they didn't. But you know, to to have this, it's gonna be Bosk. To have this announcement at at celebration for this movie that's still, what a year, almost two years away, still. It really shows way that they're setting things up. You know, they they had uh, was her name Daisy Ryder. They had her on stage. Yeah. She's the first person that's announced, and apparently she is the Rogue One. Oh no, Daisy Ryder is uh, Daisy Ryder is Ray. Uh, it's oh shit. Ridley, Ridley. Oh Ridley? yes, you're right. Um, yeah, Daisy Ryder is the actress who plays Ray in Episode you're right. Seven. Um, I'll find it. Keep going. It's Ridley something, isn't it? I believe so. It's Ridley uh, Scott. <laughs> Ridley Scott as a female. No, but it's it. it I it, it left celebration, you know, with just as much excitement as it started with it, and to announce. Yeah, I thought they did because I didn't think they would actually do anything that crazy. Not that crazy. I, I didn't think you would get this inform this much information because they got so they were they've been so quiet about the anthology film. The fact that they released the title without releasing anything about what the film would be. Yes, it didn't tell you where it was going to be set. You know, we knew where episode seven was going to be set. We saw pictures from the effing set before right. they announced the the the, uh, the name of it. So yeah, so you know, and I'm glad Rogue One will have Felicity some- Jones. That's Felicity what it was. Jones. That's yeah. right. 
And I'm glad it'll have something to do with the Rebel pilots, you know, considering the titles Rogue One, which there's a lot of speculation whether that was going to be true or not. Yeah, whether it could have been anything. Right. Um, you know, and, and I mean, even at the beginning of the celebration, JJ said, you know, we're going to be making a lot of announcements over the next few months, you know, meaning Comic Con and D23. So to get. I did love, let's go back to the Rogue One thing. This is one of the things that, that they mentioned in there. Um, the idea for the film came from award winning visual effects artist John Knoll, who pitched the idea internally before bringing it to Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm's Curry Hart. The process led to the company looking internally for other story options. For Star Wars films, a process that sounds similar to what Pixar does with a short film program. I, I heard that story afterwards. John Knoll is basically like, yeah, they should do this. Like, like, they should do the story where they pick up the plans and yada, yada. It's like, you should pitch that. Like, nah, I'm just a visual. I'm not, I'm not going to pitch that. He pitched it. They took it. Yeah. I still, I still want to see a Stormtrooper military film. Here's what I want. I want Storm, Star, Star Wars meets... Full Metal Jacket meets Saving Private Ryan. I don't think you're going to see anything that intense, but I think you're going to get a bad guy film. I think one way because one of the easiest films to do, in all honesty, is to do a Darth Vader film. Yeah, because as long as as long as James Earl Jones is still alive, you can do that film. Yep, because not anybody can play in the suit, but I'm saying anybody can play in the suit. Right, as you long know, as you have the voice, in the you suit. Have, yeah. yeah, and you have the voice, and and even then, the voice. There's some uh, voice the Rebels, actors. Well, the voice in the Rebels trailer is fantastic. I'll tell you, he sounds a hell of a lot better than the guy who dubbed the one line for Empire Strikes Back. No, 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 no. That's actually James Earl Jones in the trailer. Is it James Earl yes. Jones in it? He wow. did the voice. He did the voice in season one. I know he did the voice in season one, but, but that's he, his he voice. Did, he did, is he doing the Rebels? The voice in Rebels? As far as season I, two, it seems like it. Interesting. I know he did the one in in, in season one. I knew he came back. Um, if that's true, that's awesome. Because you know, I mean, they got everybody. That I they think could. when you, if you were to do a film, if you were to do a Darth Vader film, that in terms of a film, a big production, you have to use James Earl Jones. So you're saying do like the Purge, do something. As I've always said, the best story to tell, if you're gonna tell, if you're gonna tell a Darth Vader story, and you're gonna say that the story is Vader being the protagonist, you have to find somebody worse than Vader for him to fight against. He has a history with slavers. True. Slavery technically, if you go with the with the original expanded universe, slavery technically is illegal under the empire because mm-hmm. the empire wants to exploit it for themselves. So he goes against a bunch of slavers. And you have a story in which Darth Vader can kick ass six ways from Sunday and you're rooting from him because he's just destroying scum. Absolute scum. Worse than But the would empire. you rather have I mean, would you rather have non established characters be these anthology films? Or you know, you or somebody small like I mean, as big as Boba Fett is, he really is a small character in the universe. See, I think the Boba Fett film the Boba Fett film. If they do a Boba Fett film, the risk that you run is what I've kind of now dubbed the Wolverine factor. Wolverine is the most popular character in yes. Marvel history. Oh my God, Wolverine, Wolverine. And then you start to use him all over the place. But more importantly, you, you told all this whole backstory. Eh. Yeah. I'd love to see, do a Boba Fett film where he has seven lines of dialogue. Yes. One of the things, I, I still remember reading Dark Empire 2 and going, the Boba Fett in Dark Empire 2 is terrible because he keeps talking. Right. He never shuts up. Yeah. And you're like, Boba Fett doesn't say that much. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a line in Jedi except ah. Yeah. 
you know, or he's would got you rather have lines. a film, you know, where Boba Fett's a minor, you know, he's a character in it, but not a big? Character. I think if you do that, people are going to to revolt against it. If you do a bounty hunter film, if you do a guild film, that'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be amazing. If you do, because you can do, you, look, you can do. Except Bosk, if you know Bosk is going to talk, doesn't have to. If I'm fine if he's subtitled, yes. I have no problem if he's subtitled. What um, if he has a trans, you know, like a, a translation box? If he has a droid or whatever, maybe. Um, if you do that, because you can, Dengar's easy enough. Yes. IG-88, easy. Four Loam, easy. Zuckus, easy. And new character, easy. Yes. You that If you do a bounty hunter film, it's great. You can do a bounty hunter. And, and then you have a chase film with eight different guys chasing after somebody. Well, okay. W- with Rogue One. Hell, you, know. you can do the the... <laughs> Uh, the 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 story of trying to get Han Solo back to Java that that Dark Horse did the the Shadows of the, Shadows Empire, of the Empire idea that everyone's now chasing after Boba. Hello, yeah, you can make that. You 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 open the film with him leaving Bespin, and there's the Hound's tooth. There's the Punishing One. There's IG eighty eight ship that all of a sudden I can't remember the name. IG two thousand. The IG two thousand. They're all chasing after Boba. There's your chase film. Boba Fett's the good guy. Speaking of which, what did you think of uh, Back to Celebration? What did you think about um, the Star Wars X Wing game continuing? Because we both thought that was going to be over, and they released Hound's Tooth, and Hound's Tooth is not a small fighter. No, well, like- it's not supposed to be. I mean, the Hound's Tooth is almost the same size as the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. It's as long as the Millennium Falcon, and once the wings go across, it's almost the same. But they made, made, they, they made IG-2000, the IG-2000 ship small. The IG-2000 ship isn't very big. The IG-2000 ship is smaller than Slave 1. The Hound's Tooth is much bigger than Slave 1. But how, the way, what, the did, way that it was originally described, because it's a freighter. Right. It's huge. So, so were you excited to see that? Yes. <laughs> we'll see if it actually comes out. But Right. So as Celebration wrapped up, they did a uh, closing ceremony panel, um, which was very, very hard to get into if you were lucky at all. Um, now you said, but the cool thing about Celebration was a lot of the big panels were simulcast. Everything was simulcast, and you know, the Comic-Con major, is- the major interviews, the all of the big uh, panels. I think even all the smaller, the, the 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 Clone Wars panel I went to, simulcast. Yeah. Um, Tom Taylor's interview. I keep saying Tom Taylor, but I can't remember if that's it. Um, the voice of Obi Wan. Uh, his interview with Mark Hamill, simulcast. His interview with Carrie Fisher, simulcast. Right. The J.J. Abrams panel, simulcast. And they the started Gareth doing Ellicone, that at the simulcast. last. They they started doing that at the last celebration. Not to the extent that they did this one. Yeah. And the fact that they're out there. I mean, I've I've had people now on Monday. I was like, oh, did did you see the 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 interview with Mark Hamill? Did you see the interview with Carrie Fisher? Did you see the 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 Force Unleashed panel? No. Force Awakens. <laughs> Force Awakens. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, which is really cool. Um, and Comic-Con's talking about doing this now, where they're going to simulcast some of them. Yeah, I just think that there's no reason not to, especially if you're, you're doing this sort of thing. Well, what about the trailers? Should they, you know, like Comic-Con shows the trailers. Should they show them? I mean, uh, they get leaked anyways. That's the thing, is, is I think at this point now... Most of these places are trying to control their own content. Yes. This is the sort of thing that happened with CDs for so long. When when music was being leaked, it ended up having artists say, once the digital revolution had kind of taken over, like, we're going to digitally release our stuff whenever we want. We're not right. going to be holding to these things because, look, if I know that employee X stole it, I'm going to put it out on my own and I'm going to have you buy it. If you're sitting there and saying, you need to contact, you need to jump on, you're going to jump on the Marvel website the Marvel Films website, you're going to watch a commercial for Mountain Dew uh-huh. that Mountain Dew is going to pay Marvel a million and a half dollars for. 
so that you can see the trailer for Avengers Infinity Gauntlet at the same time as everybody else. Rather than trying to hunt whoever ripped torn, you know, ripped it or whatever. Right. Sorry, I don't know all the terminology the kids use. Um, Torrance. But why, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, right. if, if you can do it in a sense. You're not asking people to pay for it. You're asking advertisers to pay for it because now advertisers are desperately trying to find places to put their product in your yes. eyeballs because of DVRs, because of all of the all the pirating and all the stuff that's there. Well, and as Celebration proved, you're still going to get people to go to those panels. Yeah. There's, there's, Hall H will never it. not be filled. Uh, I think you'll get to a point where Hall H isn't filled, but we'll see. Um, but there's, there's the thing is, you, well, can, there's still, you can involve more people. But as, you, as you've noticed with, as with you... Said, you 88, 88 million views on YouTube. Part of that was people who live stream that panel all over the country, uh-huh. who saw the trailer in the live stream and goes, "I have to watch that again." It's on YouTube on Star Wars, you know, from right. the Star Wars channel. So now something like you know showing the Clone War or the the Rebels episodes, you leave that out. Yeah, you're not going to do that, but there's no reason not to show the trailers. It, it, there's no reason not only not to show the trailers. Why wouldn't you put? The interview with Mark Hamill up. Why oh, yeah. wouldn't you put the interview with Carrie Fisher up? Why wouldn't you put the interview with Kathleen Kennedy? Especially if you have Why to go to your you site it? to see it. Yeah. I mean, there's. it's not going to stop people from going to these conventions. It's not going to stop the exclusivity of it. But now you get to involve a whole bunch of other people mm-hmm. who get to, to get, you know, your message, yes, quote unquote, is only as effective as how many people it can reach. And if you're saying you have to be one of the 100,000 people that paid for a ticket that waited in line forever, that did all this stuff just to have J.J. Abrams tell you, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Right. Versus 1.6 million people across the country sitting at work going, how do I stream this? Yep, there we go. And advertisers hold on, getting... Hold on, boss. I'm just going to watch this for a yep. little bit. And they're, you know, and advertisers are going to get paid. And, you know, are yeah. going to get you know, their product out there. They're going to get their product out there. They, they want that relationship. Okay, so well. at the beginning of the, of the podcast, you said that... Um, you didn't get emotional until you watched the wrap up. I didn't. I don't think I said at the beginning of the podcast. I said it to you. No, you well, um, I, I don't know if we were on yeah, the air or not yeah, yet. Maybe we did. Um, because I didn't see the trailer with everybody else. It wasn't until we got to the wrap up. It wasn't until I'd left. It wasn't until I got home. It wasn't until I started really thinking about it. And I put it in a historical perspective. I've Star Wars is important to me because not only was it a great film. Not only did it have all these characters I love, not only was it, you know, it got me interested in this, in storytelling. It got me interested in movie making. Mm-hmm. It was Empire the second time I saw it where I went, I know that they didn't build these huge creatures that look like, or huge, you know, tanks that look like dinosaurs. How the hell do they do this? Yeah. What, how, do they, how do they do this? How do they get ships in space? What do they do? And that's where I started looking into these type of things. So the franchise has been with me for a long time. One of my favorite shots in the world is when you see uh, Dykstra with the Dykstra camera over top, and they and you see the 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 plateau of you know of Hoth mm-hmm. with the Walker there, and there. Yeah, you see the you see the outside one, of the, the the cut where it, the 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 pullback, and you uh-huh. see it's just it's just a little cube. You know, yeah. it's a third of a cube, and that's how they put it together. Matte painting. I never knew what matte painting was. Yeah. Suddenly, some of the most beautiful work in the history of Hollywood is matte painting, and it's just something that people forget about. And you don't ever notice. All of the backgrounds in Hoth are all paintings. Yep. The Bespin, it's all painting. Go back and look at the originals before they, they did all the digital and, stuff And for some it. of its paintings were, it's in front of 
the work, you know, yeah, the, the I mean, acting going on. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it, it, it means a lot to me. And there's a point that you get to when you're old and you become the cranky old man and you're the one going, you don't know what it was like when I was a kid with Star Wars. And then you stop and realize this thing that I've loved for so long, so many people love it now. Mm-hmm. Celebration 4, there sure as hell wasn't 100,000 people there. But when you think about it, when Jedi ended, okay, when, when the final credits rolled and you thought, that's it. That's for the most all, part, yeah. All I knew of, the comics were there. Yeah. And I think as a kid, you're not really thinking that. As young as I was, I don't think I, I don't think there in my head there was this idea of there was never ever going to be another Star Wars. But thing. see, but you get a couple of years later, and the toys have obviously stopped. Mm-hmm. The comics. Stopped. That's what I was just going to say. And they talk about and they talk about this. There's a dark time. There's a time when there's nothing. Yes. There's very few things. A friend of mine at work is asking me about like where did this all come from? How did how is it so different now than it was in 1983? This is what happened. You have the dark times. The only thing I remember in terms of memorabilia, there were plates. There were collector plates. There were towards there the was end, a little bit of stuff there here was little and there. Things here, there. The the you only, know, like one the only comic being produced was the Blackthorn Publishing was producing mm-hmm. the 3D one. They got three issues out. And then there was this little plastic rubber, you know, Really, really cheap looking uh, that figure even, that they that put even out. That even was later. That, and that, that was is, that was like ninety four. Where, it, where, where it is is a small company mm-hmm. called West End Games, as a role playing company, decides we want to do something. We buy the Star Wars license. Yes. When you're in a role playing game, you have to come up with characters. You have to come up with settings. You have to come up with tech. You have to come. So all of a sudden, these source books come out, and they're basically telling you. Your character is a Jedi. Right. He's going to run into Luke Skywalker. You have to know Luke Skywalker's stats, so here they are. Yes. Because we're not just going to put out a book that's very, very thin, we also have the whole history that Luke Skywalker's gone through that we know of. At some point, you're going to run into an ad How the hell does an ad work? Here we go. Here's all the dimensions of an ad Here's mm. all the drawings of the ad Here's what the armor rating is. By the way, here's the story of General Veers on a planet... Where he's sitting there, looking across this field at this imperial dignitary who's going to be uh, receiving this award, and all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people pull out guns and they're going to kill the kill the dignitary. He jumps into his adat, goes across this field, crushes these assholes, and his adat program is brought into the forefront. And the emperor personally recommends that this be built. Yes. Where does the juggernaut come from? The West End Games says we need stuff, and we can't pay designers. Can we look through your stuff? Yeah. Here you go. What is this? This is what the AT-AT was supposed to be. It was supposed to be this huge tank with a bunch of wheels, and it wasn't exciting enough. Okay, here, here's the idea. So this is the thing that came before the AT-AT. It's older. You can't just run right into the AT-AT. That's stupid. Right. If everyone's going to play all the best parts, there's no point in the role-playing game. So all the Stormtrooper units that are sitting out in the rim, they get these stupid turbo tanks. They get the Juggernaut. How does, Wait a minute. Wait, wait. How do we... Which Stormtroopers are at the rim? Okay, well, how do we do a Battle of Order? Boom, boom, boom. When Wait, where do stores, all the planets fit into the line? Some of that. What people started noticing is that people like me that don't play role-playing games were buying the source books. Right. Because they had the stories in them. Because they had all the drawings they were and designs an and the art. They were partly encyclopedia. It was the way to feed that Star Wars piece. Mm-hmm. Then they came out with the little miniatures, and you started buying those. And then all of a sudden, a very smart publisher at Ballantyne says, hey, we should probably do a book. Yeah. And they went to... To Lucasfilm and said, we want to do a book. And they hired Timothy Zahn to write the book. 
it, within that time also, Tom Vich, Tom Vich goes to Dark Horse and says, I want to do a Star, Star Wars. Wars Dark Horse starts with, apparently it took them years to get that off. Yeah. To get that off the ground. Um, it's actually in the new Star Wars Insider magazine. And slowly but surely, we get more and more. And then like, hey, and we're going to do, do work. And then we're like, okay, we're going to make toys. And in the toys, we've changed the timeline because Luke apparently has a solo flex machine <laughs> on Tatooine because he uh-huh. is this buffed out Arnold Schwarzenegger looking dude. <laughs> For well, those first toys. The lightsaber blade also grew like three feet mm-hmm. too. The lightsaber blade is four times as long as Luke. And then all of a sudden, Lucasfilm comes out and says, you know, all this stuff's done really well. I got a bunch of money. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. We're going to make a movie. No, but first we're going to... Well, yeah, to... they're going to re-release the movie. Yes. But I think even before that, they knew we're gonna we're gonna make another movie. And oh no, they had said. Toy. They said they were going to. But yeah. then they went, oh, you know what? Let's re-release these. And it just keeps growing it's hard to think of the fact that now you can't remember what it was like where there wasn't a star wars toy line and uh in, in there wasn't a star wars comic book but, there wasn't star wars books being released every year and i keep telling the story over and over again it's it's changed so much even more so you know when disney first bought it they said that they didn't think star wars was marketed enough and we laughed at that because you know star wars had every single thing we that you were wrong oh i know but now you walk into a store and you see little girls acting like the little boys used to do when they didn't get a toy. I always remember episode four, or when we went to Celebration 4, the t-shirt I bought, on the back of it has t- like a five by five of, all, of, of squares of these different characters and it says Star Wars is forever. Mm-hmm. And I look at that now and I'm like, that has never been more true. Yeah. Because you look at this, this brand is amazing. Nothing it's is like so, it. There's nothing like this in the world. There's nothing. As big as Marvel comic superheroes are, it's not Star Wars. No. You're not going to get... I don't think you get 100,000 people to show up for the Marvel Films convention in which we're going to show you the trailer for, for Avengers Infinity Gauntlet. I don't think 88 million people are going to in one That's 24 I mean. hours. And it's, you, you sit and look at it now, and I'm watching that trailer or that, that wrap-up video from StarWars.com, and it's just... You look at all of this and you see all this excitement and you see and, and you're sitting there and, and as much as I I've turned into that cynic and I've turned these people they're excited by this. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you walking away from it with this new fresh start. When I walked out of the Canon panel and Shelly Shapiro was saying it's not that the other stuff is bad and we enjoyed all of it, but I don't remember when I've been this excited yeah. by these new books. By these new, the, the, not only the new books, but the stuff I'm seeing from other people. I, I kind of know what's coming from the games. I know what's coming from Marvel Comics. I'm telling you, this is the best time to be a Star Wars fan. I know what's coming in Rebels. That's mm-hmm. You're sitting there, you've got a great TV show on now. Now that Clone Wars is over. Um, <laughs> Even Clone Wars wasn't. I mean, it, Clone it, Wars is hit and miss. It, it, like I said, it, it, it's it, a roller coaster. It, but let's just say. But you you've can say new, that with you've got a new film. Wars. You've got a new film coming. You have all these new books. I'm excited for some of these books. This is the first time I've read. I read Tarkin. I'm reading A New Dawn. I have uh, Heir to the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I ordered all the other ones. <laughs> you know, it's it's. I'm kind of feeling that excitement that I felt in the late 90s when you, you're headed toward the, the EU was exploding. You're getting the special editions. You know you're getting a new movie. It's time to find out what happens. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and like I said, watching the thing and seeing all these people and seeing all these other people that are so excited for this and, and the way that it affects you. And you see all the people that are it, affected by Star Wars. It's the feel when A New Hope was first released. Oh, I think it's even bigger. 
I mean, it, it, of course, because it's there's so much anticipation for it. But it, it's the thing where you have, you have something new, you have something going forward, but you're not really, you're not forgetting where you were. Sort of, you have this new entity, this new trilogy, this new, this new canon, this new trilogy, these mm-hmm. new books, all these things. But you're also not forgetting what brought you there, right? You know, Marvel films will never have this unless they can, you know. They've got 30 years to go. Yeah. There's so much history in this now. And now it's the fun of, I have someone at work who's asking me all these questions like, but wait, what about when this happened? When, I don't understand. I love the, when that happens. The, the expanded now. universe. That's the story I just told you is the story I told him. Yeah. And he's like, he's thinking, because he's so much younger than I am, he's thinking the expanded universe started because of the prequels. Right. He's like, well, didn't the book started coming out when the prequels? Like, no, they're 15 years before the prequels. They're 1993. Yeah, the first book, the Air of the Empire is in is in spring of ninety three, and he's well. That's oh. just it. Well, because most people, at, as young as he is, he wasn't able. His first experience with Star Wars was Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. Was it was it was the the re release of the of the movies, but more importantly, it was Phantom Menace, and that's where he started. And now he's trying to go backwards, and he's getting into the comics and these sort of things, and he's going backwards, and he's like, I never knew it was this big. And like, how did you not know? How yeah. are you not paying attention? No, it it it. From being I there, Star from, Wars toys. I haven't bought Star Wars toys in forever. I know. From <laughs> being there from the very beginning, you know, it's just, it's it's amazing. There's some of that too. Is, I mean, you're you're sitting there and you, and you realize how long you've been involved in it, how much it, it means, and 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 it's trying to look at it from something where I'm looking at it as people are getting, uh, um. I mean, people as they get into it now and and trying to we're talking three or four generations now that are in yeah it. you look at it now and you're just like okay this I is mean, my and, daughter's and, three years older than I was when I went and saw uh, a new hope yeah and and you see people now and, and you're trying to release like I said I'm trying to get rid of some of that cynicism and that sort of thing and really look at it. Have that empathy of looking through it fresh eyes and saying, you know what, if they're excited about it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the way I felt for the Marvel films, where I'm like, people are excited for this stuff. This is what we've been waiting for. Going to celebration. We have we seeing... have we have enough people who enjoy this now that you can make a two hundred and fifty million dollar Avengers picture and put it on the screen yeah. and it's good. Yeah. This is what we've always wanted, and this is what we got. And now, you know, the the age of cynicism has so destroyed so much of this. We had a guy today talking about Ant Man or talking about the Avengers film, and he's so pissed that Ultron isn't made by Hank. He's like, I can't believe they changed it to Tony Stark. They've ruined everything. <laughs> and, and and I'm looking at him and going, Dude, you're a dinosaur because all these things change. Mm-hmm. They're gonna change. And and I was never upset with the cannon being thrown away or the the EU being thrown away. There's parts of it that I'd love to see him keep. But that's and, the thing. I don't. That's the thing. I'm looking at this. Talk- this is the best part of this. If you would have done all the panels, I would have. I would tell you, you wouldn't feel that way right now. Because you would really be excited for what they're doing and just being saying, you know what? I kind of like this fresh start. Yeah. Because there's so much that's in there. And again, we know there's no way anybody signs on to do episode seven if the caveat is you have to follow. Oh, no, I get I, I totally get that. And again, it's not like they're going out and absolutely striking down these things, especially the stuff before A New Hope. Right. The Old Republic stuff, there's a reason it's 4,000 years in the past. It doesn't affect anything Correct. for the most part. If Darth Bane shows up in Episode Seven, you're like, okay, something. <laughs> now we've got something new, but it's also as they said, it's been so long since we've told some of these stories. Mm-hmm. The stories after they stopped telling the stories directly set after Jedi twenty years ago. Right. You know the the books moved 
to the legacy kind of era four or five years ago. Yep. So it's a chance to retell these kind of great, this great part. We're going to give you new stories. We're going to give you accessible stuff. And that's one of the big things we talked about was accessibility. Mm -hmm. It's accessible. It's, I can hand a new Dawn to anybody and tell you, you didn't have to read Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic. You didn't have to read Shadows of the Empire. You didn't have to read any of this. It's just, here you go. Which Shadows of the Empire is actually canon. We'll see. No, they there. There's references, and Shior and the Black uh, Black Sun have. Here's appeared. the thing, this is something Pablo mentions. Just because there's a reference to a certain part, that's true. That exists. It doesn't mean the whole that's the whole true. thing exists. That's what he was talking about. Is it's it's a very weird. It's something where he said it it makes sense in your head when you really think about it, but people are trying to overstretch it. People are right. so connected to this work, and he said it more than once. We know you're connected to it. We but know even, you love it, and here's. Him and Shelly Shapiro said over and over again, we love it too. Right. But we have to move forward because as much as you love it and as much as we love it, it's going to be a hindrance to new fans. Right. We're asking you to accept the fact there's going to be new Star Wars fans. Disney didn't buy this to keep the far hundred million fans that already like it as a stable group. Right. As far as Disney's concerned, in 10 years, a kid in Sri Lanka who doesn't speak English who can't see the films is going to be wearing an effing t- Star Wars t-shirt. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to do. And that's well, what even, they've done really even well. Even something like Shadows of the Empire, where it takes place within the storyline and a timeline, it doesn't affect anything else. But here's the thing. The reason that you throw that out is what we just talked about with Rogue One. That's true. There is a story. That is true. There is a story out there of how the plans got picked up. And it's not from Marvel Comics. There's, it's there. I don't even know right. where it is. That story's there. If they decide to do... Because you can do that bounty hunter film that we just talked mm-hmm. about. All you need is you go to Sideshow, you buy their life-size Han and Carbonite, done. <laughs> you go to the Mandalorian Mercs, you tell them, I need a screen-accurate Boba Fett costume, done. You call some guy back east who built a flight, a Bosque flight suit and all of the latex stuff for it. There was a great one at... Com- at uh, there was a, I saw one that, was, that wasn't too bad, but he had like the super extended arms, so he couldn't move the thing. I was like... Lose the super sentence. There was another one that was uh it it was his arms weren't as long and you could tell he had his fingers kind of like so he could. Yeah, this guy couldn't move the thing. But the reason you don't hold on to Shadows of the Empire is because right now that's a great place to tell a new story. Sure. That's a great place for new fans who are going back and watching the films and go, How did Boba Fett get like did he just leave Bespin and go straight to Tatooine and drop him off? No. Here we go. Yeah. He left and everybody chased him and he spent that's one of the problems with this hard timeline. There was a guy that Del Rey booth that was asking Shelly Shapiro over and over again. This is at the booth. And he keeps talking about all these different years. And he's like, well, if they said it 19, but if it's 18. And she said, I think they're kind of going a little fluid with it. The worst mm-hmm. thing they could have ever did. If you look on the inside of a new dawn, the new timeline doesn't have years on it. It right. just has chronological. And what they do is if it's farther apart, then it means there's more time there. So right. like a new dawn and Rebels are right next to each other, but Rebels and A New Hope are fairly far away because there's another five years or whatever before you get to A New Hope. This gives you time. You can sit there and say, between Empire and Jedi, it's Shadows of the Empire establishes, it's what we think of as a year. Right. Well, no, now it's like two years because you can, when you expand that time in between, you can tell more stories. Which, when you sit there and talk about the fact that you're saying in a year, Luke comes from the guy who gets his ass handed to him by Vader to the guy who all but lays waste to Jabba's entire empire. Right. 
Where did that come from? Which, when you look at the Shadows of the Empire story, there's actually two stories going on there. There's the, the main story with Luke, Leia, Lando going to Coruscant, but then there's also a bounty hunter story that takes place during there. Yeah, that's what the comic was. Right. The comic, and then there was also a, a flip book that had where Bosk and IG-88 were chasing Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's plenty of room in there where you don't have to have the main characters and you can leave some of that other stuff. Yeah, the Black Sun's definitely in canon because it's in this DK book. <laughs> yeah, well, Black Sun was in uh, Clone Wars. Yeah, there it was. So, I think, I mean, I think this, I mean, we could go on forever with this yeah, podcast. Yeah, a little more. I need, we've gone, I, need, I need to go to sleep. Two and a half hours. I think that's the longest podcast we've done. Holy shit. So... In wrapping up, this go, go see Star Wars Episode Seven releases in December. It, go check out the trailer available online right now. So uh, I just want to do this since it's the two of us. If you could ra- say wrap up your feelings for Star Wars in one word, what would it be? Oh God! It, as cheesy as it's going to sound, it's going to be love. Yeah, I mean that's. I've I've always, I'm the guy who's okay with the prequels. I think I love Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so many people that absolutely hate the prequels, people who don't think they exist. Travis, um, <laughs> but see, if you love something, you take the good with the bad. You can and you can't. I think what happens when you love something is you take a step back. What I did with the prequels is take a step back and say, "What exactly is he trying to do?" And there's, there's, it's been out there that George had said he knew he was going to get killed for Episode One. Well, he knew there's it. There's no way you can't. The but he knew it. He said, that "But was... this is." It's mine. Yeah. This is the story I want to tell. This is the way I want to tell it. It deals with a young kid. It deals with a clown character. It deals with these kind. This is the way we're going to. There's a couple me, things that were, a, you know, the midi-chlorians. The midi-chlorians. And there's stuff that I think he's even admitted. We, took, we made a mistake and we took a step back. Yeah. Um, I could I could handle Jar Jar. Jar Jar, you know. I can, you know what? This characters, it's, it's Jar Jar is basically what R two D two and C three PO are in the first film. Yes, they're idiots in the first. They're idiots in all the films, but they're especially idiots in the first film. Yes, they're just handled a different way. Um, but I took the step back and said, I understand what he's attempting to accomplish. Mm-hmm. The same thing with all these different things. As much as I don't like Clone Wars, I, said, I know what they were trying to do. Right there, you go. They put it out there. I don't absolutely hate clone wars i was always disappointed the biggest thing that comes with disappointment in clone wars is the thing i've always admitted because karen travis got so insulted by the way they treated the mandalorians she never finished the story that i wanted to finish right that colors and, and i fully admit it that colors my entire view of the and clone you wars. love you loved her story her story was fucking amazing well, even dave filoni has admitted that he loved her story and he you know there were parts of it that he wished he could have kept and there were parts of it that he should have just it wasn't it his down. decision. To no, and he did it. he did say it in the Clone Wars panel. He he mentions that at some point, and he said something about you know the changes they made to the Mandalorians, and he said you know I I, I didn't necessarily want to do it, but this is the way George wanted it. Right, and you know and and it was it's not so black and white. It's basically as they started to develop that story, the changes made internally by the a number of creators that were mm-hmm. working on it ended up with this type of story, and a lot of it had to do with trying to make the Death Watch even more of a villain was you had to place them in dichotomy with what the Mandalorian society was trying to do. They're trying right. to get past this idea. Okay. I'm sure... It, hell, Marvel Comics Frankencastle. Yeah. If I take the fact out that it's Punisher, 
when you read that with Rick Remender writing and Tony Moore doing the art, it's amazing. It's yeah. really, really well done. It's well written. The art is fantastic. It's gorgeous. My problem with it is my favorite character turned into something that I absolutely hated. But when I can separate that, same thing with Clone Wars. If I can separate the idea that he destroyed Karen Travis's work, I understand what they were trying to do. Well, and the things that- and the Death Watch ends up being really fucking cool. Yeah, but I just and Mandalore know, gets back to what it was supposed to be. So or how it was portrayed. Yeah. But then the, the things that they were even done in the Clone Wars movie thing, you know, with the Sky Guy and the Artui, they dropped that immediately when the show started. Well, they knew within the first season that the show the show wasn't aimed as young as they first attended it right. to be. And you should get towards the end. They're huge themes and issues and stuff like that. The show tried to grow up with its fans. Yes. Now, I still love the were, first season because were... it was so crazy. Oh, yeah. There was still a couple. of the, All the R2 and, and 3PO. And Jar uh, Jar. Jar and, you know, the Jar Jar episode. But they were silly kid ones. But then there was also some of the... Uh, some of it, I think, was just political stuff. With, uh, uh, you know, like trying to do a story break between some of the more serious right. type stuff. Okay. So, yeah. In wrapping up, um, Star Wars Celebration, uh, even though it had its flaws... It was still a remarkable event. Yeah, it's it's a huge event. It, the the flaws are disappointment because you were hoping that it would, as awesome as it was, it could have been better. Yeah, it could have been better handled. But and and see, I understand there's a ton of people there. And when, but it's when you're the sitting there, if you tell me multi genre, yeah, if you ever. tell me that I can't get into X or I can't get into Y because you did your damnedest to let everybody know to be there early or what was going to line or this sort of thing, then I'm okay with it. Right. But when you're saying that I can't get into the building because all of a sudden, once we got people into the building, we stopped letting people in the building because we don't know what we're doing. That's where I have a problem. Yeah. And like I said, it, it, it overshadowed a lot of other things and it became sort of the, the big thing. It is until you walk away from it. when you're in the middle of it and you're, you're tired and you're upset and you're frustrated for me on Saturday, bringing my friend to it and saying, "This are all the cool things that you're going to see." Oh no, never mind. You're not going to see any of it yeah. because you can't get into it. That you know colors is like I'm trying to give this experience to somebody else. Uh, color by the fact that I was able to enjoy it on Friday and that person wasn't. You know yeah. that sort of thing. So, but it was still one of those. those you know, and there's a lot of cool costumes and, and there's a lot of great. I mean, we didn't even get into the costume thing for it. I took more pictures of celebration than I have the last three comic conventions. Did you I've see the rebels by. costumes, the Zed and the uh, the Hera? Um, the ones with the plastic heads. The one that looked like the cartoons. Yeah, those are actually from the. No, those weren't. That somebody actually made. Somebody that? actually made hmm. those. I was gonna say I thought I thought they were like made by whatever I, I or did commissioned too. by uh, by by the production company. I did too until. Uh, I saw part of the red carpet when I was watching it on, you know, the um, the simulcast or going back to watch it because you can still watch all of those. Right. Uh, Floney was standing there talking. He was like, I can't believe somebody went out and made those. Those are amazing. Yeah, because those, those masks are perfect. Yeah. It is kind of creepy, though, because they don't move. Yeah. No. <laughs> so you're looking, looking at it like the face isn't moving at all. Okay. So on that, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, I hope you made it through this entire podcast because it is a very. You didn't. This is a very near and dear subject for both Chris and I, and we we do love Star Wars, and we will always be grateful for what it has given us. So on that note, you can always check out Nerdables at Stitcher.com. Uh, you can listen to it on SoundCloud, iTunes, and about a million other places. And also check us out at Facebook.com backslash Nerdables and Nerdables at Show on Twitter. Or, excuse me, at Nerdables Show on Twitter. You've gotten that wrong for like a I year. Know. 
So for Chris and myself, may the force be with you.